Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The greatest feeling in the world was holding my own gun. I'm hypertensive, but all my decisions been wholesome. My independence had me flipping on siblings I stole from. Said I'm just big and loud. Well, half a pound is my solid treatment. I punched out plugs I could have stopped from eating. Jackie Gleason on the TV while his mama's sleeping. That plate was made or he got that Chick-fil-A like she Polynesian. The fucking niggas do to me though. So I stand there blinded while my jewelry glows. What's going on, world? We back. My expert opinion show, the greatest show in the world. World, 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 Hit yes. that like, hit that share, let everybody know you in here. Don't cost you no paper unless you's a motherfucker. Hater, 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 don't be one of those. In the words of the loud guy, who's normally here. Hater. I'm happy about that. I don't know about y'all. Yo, thank y'all for joining us for another episode. It's going to be dope. It's going to be epic. One time shout out to April Walker, Walker Wear Classic Gear back in the building. We talk about classic material in here, so I figured I'd wear some. One time for my God champ. What's good, my brother? How you? How you feeling, King? I'm good. I'm happy to be free. Happy to not be around. Happy to be around some legendary people every day, all day. Um, YK TV magazine made the news. Made the news. Made the and, and, news. And clap you know for that. We made the and news. Clap for that. And clap you know, for that. Uh, we made the news uh, in Michigan because they were not the Mission State Prison System was not trying to allow our magazine in a system. And you know, brothers is frustrated, man. They need to get their rocks off. You know what I mean? So sure. there's a class action lawsuit pending and, and things are going to happen, but it, you know, it was great exposure. So I, I, I'm I, happy. I have we, no We love place. it however it works. Yeah. Shout Just out to my brother, Mr. Gyro. Word. Salute. Chas, how you doing? I'm good, bro. All right. Still haven't memorized those rules uh, yet. <laughs> Let him put you over. You, you know, there's a battle rapper who runs these things. Like memory is kind of important. You kind of. I know. I'm a youth there. It's, you know, I memorize it actually when I'm home. I do live very well. I, I memorize it. Stage fright. I'm, I'm afraid of y'all. I'm no, nobody believes not. Nobody believes that. We don't believe you. you we had to talk when the beast. cameras off. Yeah, nobody believes. You be checking this. Out of me, man. Hell no, you. Oh, one, one quick. Uh, math. Feel better. Math hop is under the weather. Yes. Otherwise, he feel would better, be my here. brother. Feel better, King. Get feel get it get it together. So you can get in yes. this chair. He will be back soon. Gat, how you holding? I'm good, money man. Shout shout to everybody. You know what I mean. I don't normally talk or shout my shit out. How champion niggas be going in? Why well, is it um, about champ, man? Sure, sure, sure. You feel threatened Gat by it. Murder, That's what it is. You feel Gat murder new single out right now with my man PD Crack. Go stream that. Or on everything, on everything. Follow me, Gat Murder Vivo, on everything. I'm back outside. Shout out to the people that's here. Shout out to y'all. Salute. Salute. 
international panel yeah. happening yes, over yes. here. We got like some real passport stamps and and, and cross country flyers over here. So salute to y'all. Sorry about the yes. weather. Um, not really. We're it's bloody cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of your fault because if our guest can handle the weather, then anybody else should be able to. And when I talk about our guests, I'm talking about two dudes from opposite sides who came together, opposite sides of the country, opposite sides, period, came together and made this. And when I start talking about classic material, classic. for all of you who don't know, who may have like, you know, don't have a 19 in your birth date, this is called a CD. <laughs> this is called an album. It's actually called vinyl. 12 inch. It's, it's not just for hanging on your wall. It's actually like a way to really play music from this, believe it or not, both of these. And uh, as classic as the material is, the music's even better because it's made by a couple of classic artists who are in the building with us right now. One time for Terminology and one time for Paul Wall. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Fellas, talk to me because uh, start, finish, repeat. I don't, I don't want to leave out the... Yes, and, and in that ever crash, you're going to need those. <laughs> yeah. and, and in that ever crash, you're going to need a vinyl, a CD, cassette. Got to get back to your roots. I yes, can't sir. imagine how hip-hop would look, how hip-hop fans today would handle the internet crashing. You crazy. can't handle a rolling phone. be like the phone. purge out here, bro. Yikes. It'd be like the purge, bro. Yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's before we jump ahead, fellas, welcome. Thank Welcome. You. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yes, Flowers sir. are deserved on both sides for both of you gentlemen. You've both been pioneers in your own way. You put a town on the map that people didn't know you were actually from. True that. You made your town cool as fuck to be from and made it cool to be a white guy from that specific town, which nobody saw coming. I remember everybody trying to figure out if you were Dominican or Puerto Rican. Like you had to be something else. You couldn't just be a white guy. And now here you are, yeah. all these years later, all these generations later, and you made it okay to. How did that? How did you let's start there? How did that? Well, coming out when I came out from Houston, Texas, on the Swish House tapes, you know, no, you listened to it. No one knew what anybody was. Uh, so even then when they would see me it was always assumed either i was creole from louisiana or i was mixed or maybe i was mexican or something like that but it was never assumed that oh he was white even when it was me and chameleon there in the swisher house chameleon there you know he had a, a more of a proper accent mm -hmm. so when you would listen to it sometimes you might assume oh that's the white guy that's the black so it would be all <laughs> up it would get us all confused <laughs> and then on another note there was another artist in the swisher house who had a rap name big tiger but his birth name was paul so sometimes he would say paul in the lyrics here and there mm -hmm. so people would get it twisted oh that's Paul Wall too, because it slowed down on, on the tempo, the pitch, everything. Matter of fact, I, I got in an argument on Twitter with somebody because you know he said the N-word a bunch, and they're like, well, Paul, why used to say the N-word? I'm like, shit, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the man right here, he said, I'm like, man, that ain't even me. That's Big Tiger. You know what I'm saying? Shit. So uh, but you know, coming up in that era where there was no there was no internet, there was no, I want to know what somebody looks like, so I'm gonna type it in and then boom, this is what they look like. It was it was none of that. So it was a. Uh, you know, that that was never, uh, me me being white was never something that, you know, uh, it wasn't only until recently that people kind of like discovered. I was, even when I was coming up in on mainstream, 
it was like I was white, but I was one of the crew. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now it's, I guess ever since I started, so I start growing my hair out. Like, <laughs> like, wait a minute! Oh, you really is white. Look like a quarterback now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but don't tell my wife she don't know I'm white. Don't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> she might divorce me. I don't know. <laughs> so how was it when you would like come out and do shows? It would be. Awkward. I remember one time in Florida, in Pensacola, Roy Jones Jr. had a, a club called Star 69. We used to go out there all the time. Shout out to Pensacola, Florida, Mobile, Alabama, everywhere out there, man. We used to go out there. I remember one time we had a concert and, you know, I'm, you know, maybe 30, 40 minutes till I go on stage. So I'm at the bar with my homeboy mm. and somebody next to us say, say, man, when Paul Wall coming on stage? That's the only reason why I'm here. See Paul Wall. I just turned and say, man, yeah, I'm coming up like, man, 20 minutes. And you look at me, you about to whoop my ass. Like, you talking to me? Why are you playing? And I'm just looking like, all right, you know, I'm going on 20 minutes. I'll see you later. Then after the show, he came up to me and was like, man, I didn't know that was you. Right, I, right. I, And he told me, he was like, man, look, you don't understand. I hate white people. I hate wow. white people. So, and he told me I was his favorite rapper. So he was like, man, shit, I didn't know what to think. Like, wait a minute, you my favorite rapper, but you also white. Ooh, I didn't know what to you know, expect. So... Mm. There were there were some times maybe back in the days where it would be certain awkward situations, but at no point was it ever like I I, I don't know I, when I go anywhere I'm not like I'm a white guy going here. Hey everybody, it's the white guys here. Yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah. we there. Mm-hmm. And if I was a white guy, I was the only one. You know, right, right. like with me, it wasn't like I was coming with twenty white guys. It was you know me and a bunch of black and mexican people going there wherever we would go so it was never like anything like that you know what i'm saying where it was like any type of issues or problems or anything cuz i'm not coming with that either you know what i'm right. saying i'm coming with respect wherever i go wherever i go you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and, uh, i'm i'm living my dream too man being an mc hell yeah shit that was something i didn't even know was possible for me to dream my dream was really to be a dj that was something that was attainable like a, a career path I could follow. So to be a rapper was something that was like beyond something I could dream. So for me to have that opportunity to do this and rock stages, shit, hey, what time I need to be there? I'm gonna be there early, you know, whatever shit. <laughs> right. This is a dream job for me. So So where did, where did the transition start? Obviously you say you started with DJing? I started with so how actually did you transition to rapping. Yeah, DJing was okay. When I was in high school, I used to do a lot where I would do street promotions, pass out flyers for Def Jam, for Cash Money, for No Limit. Hmm. So mm-hmm. I would, this was, you know, 1996, 1997. Uh, you know, I was passing out flyers. I'm right. going to the clubs. I'm too young to get in, mm-hmm. but I'm hitting all the cars up with flyers outside. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Or when new vinyl would come out, you know, you couldn't really in Houston. There was a couple record stores you could buy vinyl from, but you couldn't buy the hottest single. Mm-hmm. You could just buy whatever. Somebody put their album out on vinyl, or they put their single out. The single is now released on vinyl. Right. But everybody knows the single be hot on the radio and in the clubs first, and then it comes out. Right. Yep. So if you, if I'm a DJ, I'm trying to rock the clubs, and I want to play the hottest music in the clubs, I can't go buy it. 
I have to hook up with a record promoter from a record label or something mm-hmm. like that. So, so you can get in the pool. Right. right. So okay. I started passing out flyers. So that it opened the door for me to pass out vinyl to bring the vinyl to the DJs. So I would be, mm-hmm. you know, 16, 17, even when I was 15, mm-hmm. bringing vinyl to the DJs in the club. That would be my only entry in the club. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I got to show my ID. I'm too young. Shit, I left my ID in the car. Let me get an extra $10 or that. Oh, come on, come on. Let you in, you know. But I would still be in there, you know, like my friends would do that and they'd be at the bar drinking. Okay, well, I would, you know, they put the X on your hand, they mark it off, and then they go buy their drink. Shit, I'm not breaking no rules. I'm in there, shit. I'm not getting kicked out. I'm going right to the DJ booth. I'm hanging with the DJ, shit. I'm in here working. This is shit. What you mean? So, shit, that's, you know, passing out flyers helped me to pass out vinyl, which helped me actually how I started selling grills too, because somebody came selling grills. And they needed promotions. Well, I wanted a discount. Mm-hmm. How you get the best discount? You work there. You got the employee discount. That's how you mm-hmm. get the biggest discount. Shit, I want to work there. How can I? And let me pass out flyers for you while I'm passing out the Def Jam cash money, no limit flyers. I'm going to pass out the grill flyers. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to get a hell of a deal for grills for me and everybody in my hood. We're going to be shining <laughs> when we pull up. That's how I started selling them was because I wanted grills. And then my homeboy wanted grills. And then somebody else wanted grills. Well, I'm not doing it to make money. I'm doing it to hook my hood, my neighborhood up, you know. Right, right. And then that turned into everybody in my neighborhood. They want to hook their cousins and they whoever else and this person, that person up. Next thing you know, I'm I got orders for selling grills. All right, well shit, I'm selling grills now too. Shit. Where the grills started at though? We know it started in the south, but where at in the south? Well, there, it depends. You know, there's definitely Atlanta had its, you know, 80s gold teeth was on the map for a long time, but it was also man, coincidentally with somebody named Paul. In Houston, over on Fairbanks, man. You <laughs> there's, know, a Paul, there's a lot of Paul, man. There's a lot of Paul, man. It's only a few of us, but they, you know, we, we let our name be known, man. But, but there's, you know, there was, you know, that's like the the hood dentist where you go there and you get your teeth filed down. They take a mold of your mouth. You come back at the end of the day or the next day, and then they cement the teeth in, and it's that's that's it. You got you got grills now. But you know, of course, Louisiana. Yeah, had, I didn't know the process was that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, nuts. yeah, it's a very uh uh you know you're not at the dentist, you're in the hood dentist. It's like you here and somebody's shaving your teeth down, doing all kind of shit, you know. Oh, shit. They don't come out at all, like it'll never come out. No, no, I'm talking that's how they were. Right. The New York style was the removable style. That right. eventually, like when we turn on TV and we see Wu Tang with the removable, and we're like, man, yeah. I, we thought it was we thought it was a magic trick. Coliseum. Yeah. Yeah. We used to go to the Coliseum. Before that, I mean I'll be square mall. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Flavor Flav was running around with gold. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. gold teeth yeah. and, and gold teeth were one thing. Grills, yeah, yeah. something completely. I yeah. never knew what the process was. Now my boy Johnny, he started off. He came to America from Vietnam. He started off doing jewelry repair, working out of his garage, getting fifty dollars a month. You know, that was what he would get, and that would pay for all his whatever bills he got because you know he was making it work. From there, he started doing. Uh, jewelry repair to actually making the gold teeth for the dentists. So the dentists would come to him with their orders. That's crazy. And he would make them. Well, he's like, well, shit, the gold, they, the dentist selling them. Why can't I sell them? So he started selling them as well. But really, for the, for the beginning parts, he was just, you know, the, the one who would make them. And it would be somebody like me, a middleman, where I put in my order with Johnny. He's making them. I'm out here selling them. I'm a salesman. But he's actually making them. Mm-hmm. But it got to be so big to where Johnny's like, all right, we're going to open up a store. Let's open up a store. You and Johnny. Together. Right, right. And then it, and then from the mall to another mall to another mall. And it's, it's crazy when you look at how things happen. You know, the hurricane come and wipe out the whole store. 
Well, we just so happened to get insurance, and now we can upgrade and move to another store and get everything brand new. Okay, <laughs> somebody go over there and rob the store. You know, uh, okay, well, now we got a, a settlement to where we can buy a whole our whole store. We got our own mall now, damn near. Mm. You know, Johnny Dane Company is, is one of a kind right there. So me being like the, the face of it or a salesman moving around, that you know, that was something that was, it was never something I dreamed of doing. I only did it because I wanted to hook up. You know, uh, even then, you know, selling grills was something that when I'm in there putting in my orders, it'd be people from all over the country putting in their orders and picking up their orders as well, arguing with Johnny. He got a strong Vietnamese accent, thick, you can't really understand it, and a, a, a Mexican and black neighborhood. So you got people from Louisiana with Louisiana accent, somebody from California with California yeah. accent, somebody from Florida, Florida accent. And Johnny just like, man, this is English, but it's not. Like, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just in there translating, like, no, 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 Johnny. All they want, they want this part gold, this part diamond. You know, all they want this kind of diamond. They want, you know, I'm just translating. I didn't do nothing that was hard work or nothing. You know, I'm just sitting there translating. I'm diffusing the fight. You know, it's about to be a fight. Let me just calm it down. You know, y'all just misunderstanding each other. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it was even then, those were the Swish House days where they didn't know who I was, but people would like hear the voice and they'd be like, man, I know your voice from somewhere. What's your name, Paul Wall? Man, you Paul Wall from the Swish House? And it would be one of them things that would, Johnny didn't have a clue who I was. He didn't know who nobody was. So shit, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Jay-Z could walk in there. At that time, he's not going to know. It could be, you know, Michael Jordan walking in there. He's not really going to know who's there, mm -hmm. but... He just was like, oh, you, you a famous rapper this whole time? You selling grills and you famous? But I'm, you know, like, well, I ain't really famous. I'm underground. It's not really like that, you know. But that's kind of how we kind of teamed up in the beginning because, shit, I'm, I'm selling grills but to hook people up. So insane with Johnny, you know, when you make them and you're making them for the dentist, the dentists are putting the markup on them. The salesmen are putting the markup on them. Mm -hmm. So Johnny was never in it for the money. So when he first started with the, uh, his own store, where it's our store, mm -hmm. normal markup might be, you know, you buy something for $1,000, but it really only costs like $300, you know what I'm saying? Right, so Johnny right. be like, well, shit, we're going to sell it for $600 instead of $1,000. The mm -hmm. other jewelry stores hate us, but the customers love us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right. So Johnny like, shit, fuck it. We don't need to, what do we need the other jewelry stores for? But the thing I love about Johnny is the same opportunity he gave me he gives to people every day. We got over a thousand wholesale clients from all mm. over the world. Uh, you know, a lot of them are making new starts with their life. They coming out of jail or they doing something, making a transition. And it's a, a, a hustle. If you go out there and hustle, you treat people right, think, you build a name for yourself. I think that's mm. part of the reason why the acceptance for you is different and lands different. You think what I mean? We have a lot of society today, culture today, there's a lot of back and forth about other races selling our own culture back to us, right? And that that those debates turn heated. For I personally sure. have always talked about walking down Flatbush Avenue and nobody that looks like me owns right. any of these stores. I can't get a job in any of these places. Man, that's something I talk to Johnny mm -hmm. about a lot because historically you come to America as an immigrant, you get a loan. But if you're from here, you can't get a loan. Especially if you're black, they ain't giving nobody no loan. But if you're an immigrant, they're going to give you a loan in a black neighborhood to open up a business. And then you go from selling there, you, but the people who own the businesses don't live in that community. They live in an outside community. Right. So their taxes don't go, go to that community. Their schools. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, 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 a double take from the community. The people mm -hmm. owning the business not making the money. Then the money's not, I mean, the people that own the business not of the community. 
And then the money's not going back into the community, it's going into another community. So that's something where, we, you know, Johnny f fully understand that. So he's mm -hmm. always giving back, doing, you know, doing things to give back. But it's one of those things where no matter what you give back, you know, you give backpack drives, you know, you can, what can, what can I do to change what goes on in the community? I think you mentioned it. The fact that you guys live in the community, you hire from the community. From the, right. You just said you people coming home from prison. Right able to get a job, able to support their families, able to spend money in their neighborhoods, right. able to fund those schools through the taxes. I, I think that the fact that you're cognizant of it, you dig what I mean? And the fact that you're aware and you're making it a point to, no, nah, let's do it like this. Yeah. Let's, but let's do it this to me, way. I look at it like there's absolutely nothing I could do. Now, I should absolutely do everything I should do. I, everything I can and should do, I need to do. I should do. We all should. But if I do all of that, it's still... In my mind, I don't think it's gonna really make a change. You know what I'm saying? But you still, you still gotta do it. It's something you have to do because sometimes the, the change be for the one person. You know what I'm saying? The one person who really, really, it makes a difference to them because they really needed not necessarily a backpack or you know something like that, mm -hmm. but they needed the time to talk to somebody, to see somebody. That man, I came from here and look what we did. We we, we worldwide now. You can be worldwide bigger than us. And let me help you get there. You mm. you do something, we're gonna support you. We're gonna give you the spotlight. You know, we're gonna financially support you, whatever we gotta do. But a lot of it is something where I, like I say, man, it's it's such a huge thing that, you know, uh, undertaking of trying to, you know, you know, better your neighborhood, better your community. That's only if you got the conscience to do it though. For some people it's it's that's not an undertaking at all because it it, it never occurs to them to to do any of that. Right, they're worried about get their, rich and leave. Their community is their family. Right, for a and lot that's, of that's where it right. starts and stops. At the door, that's my community. All the rest of y'all fend for yourself. And I think that the the fact that you're not doing it that when anybody doesn't do it that way, I think that's that speaks to the character of the person behind it. You look less like a bloodsucker and more like a community member. Right. And I think being a a member of the community is all any community ever asks. Mm -hmm. Not to mention respecting it. So I think that's where your stripes come from, as far as that's concerned. Let me, let me, let's. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. One time. Definitely. That, that right there reminds me of what Nick was doing. Yeah, facts. Same facts. exact thing what facts. Nick was doing. Facts. And Trey, and Trey talked about it too. Mm -hmm. And Trey was up here. Trey the oh truth. yeah, yeah, true. And, and, he was up and here. Killer Mike. Right, right. No, yo, doing stuff in your neighborhood is for your own good. It's not. Don't look at it like the reverse crabs in the barrel, like you get out and, and pull a ladder up behind you. That's corny. That's corny. Then people come from the exact same spots you do. And quite honestly, I'm really sick of us cannibalizing each other. I'm sick of us always taking from us and always doing us dirty and always making it bad for the rest of us. Like that's, you. we got enough enemies in this world. We don't need to pick fights with the dude who lives next door, went to the same school with you, Knows your cousin, knows your like. Stop that. That's just corny. Please right. stop it. <laughs> Term. Yeah. <laughs> you went through something similar. Yeah. Being not from New York, but getting your break in New York, right. where you could have just stayed quiet and not stayed quiet and been a white guy, but you could have <laughs> stayed quiet and let everybody think that you were a New Yorker. Right. Right. But instead, you're putting Boston on the map in right. a very different way. Like, but you, we, we spoke about this. Yeah. There was a time when you could have just front it off and been like, nah, I'm from the Bronx. And everybody would have, you said the road would have been different for you. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, when I first moved out here, it was 07. And Static moved out here in 04. Shout out to so Static Selection. Essentially, mm -hmm. I've been in New York for about 20 years. 
And, you know, some people that came from Massachusetts before me, let's say Guru, rest in peace, he moved to Brooklyn and he became from Brooklyn and his path went different. So if I was terminology from the Bronx, (laughs) you know, my path could have went different. Mm -hmm. But I felt like me being born in Lawrence, Massachusetts, it was like I had to put that on the map. I had to try hard to really rep where I was born and where I was really from. Cause you gotta go back home and you gotta look in the mirror. Your mom know where you from, your cousins, people you went to school with, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, so I just thought it was like, it was the harder road traveled. Cause when I first started doing shows out here, it would be like, give it up for terminology from Boston. (laughs) (laughs) And you got, that's why I always started doing my shows with an acapella. So Mm -hmm. once once they know I got skills now, they're like, oh, okay. You know, so it was like, it's, I would always start with, with that. And then I would always say, yo, I'm from this city called Lawrence, Massachusetts. It's about 20, 30 minutes from Boston. Kind of remind me of the Bronx. My hood is kind of like the Bronx. I would give a little speech so mm-hmm. y'all, I could take you into my specific hood, like how I grew up. And because a lot of times people would be like, oh, Boston, Larry Bird. Yeah, I know Boston. Benzino. Right, right. <laughs> He's from Boston. He's from a different part. But even still, right, right, it was like... Right. I had to represent where I was from in a different way. And it was a long, slow grind, but really just my rapping skills and my grind, that's how I was able to get mad love in the city. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In in New York City. And to be out here and and have all the relationships that I have, you know, with all the people I worked with, getting the DJ Premier co-sign early and the MOP co-sign early and Wu-Tang and, you know, just... I could go down the line, like getting all those co-signs early. My first tours with Sean Price. Mm, you know, I'm coming, I'm coming, rest in peace. Coming in the game, you know, with some hip hop royalty and having to and having to follow those codes of how hip hop, you know, went and how you know, those rules. It's those like, standards. You can't yeah, rap over your vocals here. You know, there's words you can say, there's words you can't say. Mm. There's things you need to pay attention to. You need to show love to the OGs. You need to know where hip hop was created. When did it start? Who was the first Woonty Woon? Who did? Mm-hmm. So me knowing my history and just putting in that work, they looked at me like a New York artist, and they kind of always have. Even though I get love at home, but when I'm in New York, it's like even to this day, like man, you're from New York. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I've been out here for so long, and I and I and I came in the game with New York artists. So it was like this is where I wanted to be, man. I grew up reading the Source magazine. And 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 watching you know BT MTV whatever, mm. always wanting to work with the Wu Tangs and the Tribe Called Quest and whoever whoever and through through like me seeing that vision and me being like yo one day I'm gonna do that one day I'm gonna work with the Locks and it's like boom now I got mad songs with all the Locks like because I was like a little kid like using my brain power and, and my dedication to make sure that that shit happened. Right. I put hip hop first. I put my true love, which was hip hop first. And while doing it, had to also be like, yeah, by the way, I'm from this city where you never heard of nobody. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But then if you do the knowledge, you might go back and you might have said, oh, I heard of Crumb Snatcher before. You know, he was underground, but he was making a lot of noise in his in his time. Rest in peace, Scientific. So mm. it was a couple rappers from my hood that made noise in New York and, and, and globally, but I came in in the internet era. They didn't have the internet. So right. it was like Paul was saying, you might have not never knew how Crumb looked or Rest in Peace Scientific. I came in right at the time in MySpace. So, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Goodness. I was able to become an internet sensation and like and blow up in the blog era. 
Mm-hmm. So I blew up in a different way that nobody from my hood ever did. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, so what was yeah, that, what was that journey. Fir- what was that first experience like coming from your city, your town, and coming yeah. to New York on some rapping shit? Shit, my first show, I opened up for Coogee Rap. That's crazy. Jesus. First show? My first show out here, I opened up for Coogee Rap. In Immortal Technique, it was like a sold out show. Jesus Christ. That's no not like a good show, right? right? Damn. It's heavy hitters. Like I good just show. remember. <laughs> heavy I, met him, I met him through Sean Price. I'm like, That's a fact. Yeah. I was yeah, always running. busy. Yeah, yeah, that was my man. <laughs> and I seen him pop up again with yeah. um, Lil Fame and I yeah, had a video heavy. shoot with Cool G rapping him. That's a fact. I'm like, crazy. yo, this, who is this nigga right, right here? Yeah. Right. That's kind of like how I always got my, my shit too, because I would be with all these goats. And all these fucking grimy Brooklyn dudes, and they're like, "Who the fuck is this little Puerto Rican kid?" You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of yeah. I go to SOBs with the whole MOP, and I'll just I'll be the only one that don't look like them. They're just like, "Who the fuck is this?" Guy? <laughs> so, but but uh, but yeah, the, the ex- my first experience, I'll never forget it. Uh, I just remember walking around like, "Yo, that's Just Blaze. Yo, that's that's Saigon. That's this one and that one." And um, it shows a long time ago, so I could probably say it now. But I remember Papoose and his people were whooping somebody's ass in the back. They were beating the shit out of somebody in the back uh, of, of the allegedly, truck. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. Like, this is my first show, though. Like you yeah. know what I'm saying? I walk in and I just see. I know it was somebody with Papoose or some shit. They they were whooping somebody's ass, and I'm like, oh man, because this is my first show in New York. So I'm like, damn, I'm already like. A little nervous because mm-hmm. I gotta open up for Kooji Rap, who's like my favorite rapper. <laughs> he said I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous. One drop the ball, right? Type shit. And then somebody's getting stomped out by Mad Timberlands. Like, this shit felt like a Wu Tang video to me. I'm like, this shit is the real New York. Like, okay, I'm here. So, you know, I go up, I believe it was called Lions Den. I don't know if y'all oh, remember that. Oh, shout out to Lions yeah. Den. I know right. exactly where So, that yeah, that. this is 2004. And so I did my thing, you know, it wasn't my greatest performance, but I did my thing and I got a lot of respect and people dabbed me through the crowd and I ended up, you know, taking Saigon's number down and to, you know, saying just taking a couple pictures with with some people, you know, Coogee Rap and ended up forming a relationship with them. But it was like a culture shock for me because New York is like no other place. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Story, story. It was exactly what I thought it would be from the TV. <laughs> it's the mecca of hip hop. That part, oh, Jesus no, that Damn. part though. That part. Though. It was, it was, it was some goats rapping on stage, a packed room with a thousand dudes wearing leathers, and somebody getting stomped out with Timberlands. It, this is what I thought New York. You remember would be. what they had on their feet? I just <laughs> yeah, New York Timberlands. Yeah. yeah, I never oh, forget that shit. Hey, I'm over here trying to like take I a thought. picture, and I just see a whole bunch of people get like it was crazy. But so that was my first show out here. And then after that, I was taking any show, any free show. Mm-hmm. So every week at the time, I had a manager, Dan Green, and he would always call me, yo, got a show for you, got a show for you. So I'd be on the Fun Wild Bus every week coming up here to do shows, mm-hmm. doing free fun shows. Wild fun, wild fun Wild Bus. They drop you over there uh, down Chinatown, right? Christy, 55. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's you know where it is. So I would come, I would have to go from where I was at to Boston, get on that bus, four hours, five hours to here, get off in Chinatown, then go to Brooklyn. And then go to the show. So that was a, a regular week or weekend Before for me. Uber. Oh, when did man, you know it was you stuff. When did you know you was buzzing in New York City? The Tony Sunshine. I did a freestyle with Tony Sunshine, Desert Eagle. And that shit just got on like every mixtape. And just the whole summer, it was like it was like a hood hit. Like, you know, back then, mm-hmm. before really the internet, it was like every the mixtape, whatever was mm-hmm. hot on the mixtape, everybody was... Was playing it, and I remember. Stretch Bobito used to bump your shit too. Yeah, definitely yeah. all the real underground shit, like backpack shit, mm-hmm. like all that. Like that was my real lane, but right. I was also able to sneak into like 
the mix show DJs through Static, because Static was like my best friend at the time, still is, but he was like the person in New York who was my connect. So he was always linking me with different DJs and bringing me to different places and like letting me open up for like Tribe Called Quest and bringing me to just like shit that you could never even imagine that you would do. You know what I'm saying? I, I remember one show I did, and you can look it up on YouTube. It was before Big Sean and, um, and Kid Cudi blew up, and it was Consequences album release party. And mm. so he had brought out me, um, Q-Tip, Kanye, Kid Cudi, and um, Big Sean. And so we're all standing in line on stage, and he's giving it up one by one for the crowd. Yo, give it up for Big Sean. They're like, yeah. Yo, give it up for uh, Kid Cudi. Yeah. Give it up for Terminology. Yeah. Kanye right here. Give it up for Kanye West. Yeah. Like, I got this moment on stage standing next to Kanye. Like... You know That's what I'm crazy. saying? So like New York, New York has been good to me, man. Mm. Hip hop has been good to me in New York, and in these moments, I cherish them, and like I love this shit. You know, I still do it because I love it. That's you what's up, saying? man. Yeah, man. That's what's up. Stuck to the script. Back. I love to see the good Stuck guys to the win. Script. Hustle. I love to see it. Listen, dudes. Did you hear that, dudes? Flyers on cars. For years, still passing flies out. Because <laughs> I can't, you can't get nobody to pass them out now. Shit, everybody too cool to Everybody's do that shit. A star yeah. now. The intern is a star. Yeah, now. Oh, the, the guy who passed out flyers now, he a social media influencer. Shit, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We in crazy. a different era, but it felt good to survive these eras too. Yeah, and Paul, Paul came in the game a little bit before me, so he knows. You know, we're it, it's crazy how we have went through the late '90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s, and now we're in 2023. Mm-hmm. It's just it's bugged out, but I, I still love it. Like I said, man, I love. But you've all the seen elements. so much change. Like you, yeah. the quality of artists has changed. What people are entertained by has changed. Yeah, like you two are both from an era where the thing that you said was the most important thing about you. They didn't even know what you looked like. Right. You right. think what I mean? Right. And you were somebody's favorite rapper with no visuals, no marketing, right. no right. just. Now your favorite it, rapper. Who your favorite rapper? I like his hair. You know, yeah. that's your, it's, my, it's my favorite rapper because I like the shoes you wear, you know, mm-hmm. or something. Or the beef he just got into. Right, right. Yeah. He talk like I talk. He spin yeah. the block. I, that's the shit I be on. Yeah. What yeah. Is, what's the bar that the he- The beats in the bars. That's what <laughs> I grew up on, yeah. And who was you? Who was you? Who were you listening to? I was listening to Lil Kiki. He always been my favorite, Lil Kiki from Houston, Texas. You say Clay. that every time. I mm. legit just asked you to see if you would have a different answer. <laughs> yeah. Every time I've he ever heard you answer favorite, that question. Man. Lil Kiki, shout out to Lil Kiki. Shout, big yeah, shout, shout out to Lil, Lil Kiki. Kiki. He, Lil Kiki, coined eighty five percent, ninety percent of all of the phrases that we say came from Texas or from Houston. Well, he coined them. You know, mm. whatever mm. the Houston culture is with the cars or how we dress or any of that, he popularized a lot of that. He was popping when I was in high school. So my first, actually, when I was in middle school. So my first introduction to hip hop was in three ways. It was turning on TV, looking at MTV, which was almost all East Coast, turning on the radio, listening to whatever was on the radio, which was clear channel, so it was all programmed, almost all West Coast, mm-hmm. and in the screw tapes, which was all underground. And it was mostly Southern, but not all Southern. Like, But if mm-hmm. I wanted to hear some mm-hmm. hard underground East Coast music, it would be on a screw tape. If I want to hear some hard, you know, West Coast underground music is going to be on a screw tape. But for sure, who is talking about streets that I know that I can drive down or talking in slang that I perfectly comprehend, mm-hmm. it was all on the screw tape. It was Lil Kiki. 
Mm-hmm. Lil Kiki always been my favorite, man. But you know, there were always others too. I love Cash Money. Cash Money was always big to me. I grew up listening to a lot of Wu Tang. So Wu Tang was something that was dope to me too. There are also a lot of underground artists here and there that I, you know, would listen to for sure. Song Price was one of my favorites. Uh, you know, um, a lot of the West Coast artists like the Mob Figures, Jacka, Hustler, uh, you know, Rich the Factor, he's my second favorite rapper, Rich the Factor from Kansas City. So I, you know, I gotta I gotta shout out to all my people, man, because shit, mm. they inspired the fuck out of me. Rich the Factor got like 500 albums out, you know what I'm saying? He put an album <laughs> out like every month, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and every, and I, I can tell you right now, you just randomly go to any album, any song, you gonna get the same thing. He gonna be giving you game. His beats are gonna be either some Kansas City, like Midwest type of beat, or it's gonna be something with a sample in it, but it's gonna be a hard hitting beat. And he gonna be on there doing real shit, either street shit, like I said, giving you game or just anything real. He gonna give you some similes, some metaphors, but you know, that's them, them my favorite rappers, man. Rappers don't even talk like this anymore. Yeah. Bro, they don't they're even hear excited. this kind of talk they're anymore. Not What's the simile? Yeah, yeah. Bro, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You don't even hear this kind yeah, of Yeah, it's, it's all about ad libs, you know, shit. Which, you know, you know, it's always been like that though. I look back, you know, when I was DJing, it was I played a lot of DJ Jubilee. DJ Jubilee is an artist from Louisiana. Where, you know, and, and back in those days, I take you back to 1998, 1997, 2000. You know, if I'm DJing a party anywhere in Texas, okay, you're going to go through your medley of music. You might play some Biggie music. You might play some pop. You might play some, you know, Miami bounce, you know, bass type of music. But you're going to definitely get in there and you're going to get your Louisiana bounce on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And when you play that Louisiana bounce, it's going to be DJ Jubilee. So DJ Jubilee, to me... He was somebody who would, you know, he would call out dances that you do. He was, you know, with MC on the, you know, on the song, he would be calling out. The, he wouldn't be rhyming like giving you bars, but he'd be telling you do this dance, now do that dance, now do this dance, now do that dance, and whatever mm. he would be doing, that's what everybody in the crowd would be doing. But mm. it, it was seen as like party rap. It was like party hip hop. Okay, well, if he was around today, like making music today, like if get it ready came out in 2023, then he would be the king of TikTok because that's all it is. So, it's, you know, it's, it's hip hop just has evolved where it's still dancing. It just ain't really breaking. It's TikTok dancing. You know what I'm saying? It depends so on where you yeah. go still because I still yeah. see breaking. Like, I, I'm totally It's in the you. Olympics now. Which is crazy. That's which, crazy. That, that that's amazing that hip hop made it to the Olympics. That's crazy. At this point, I'm not shocked when we, we make it anywhere. Facts. Like, mm. at this point- It's a global takeover. They make the most money off us. They might as well let us in the game. Yeah, but that's that's never been that's never been synonymous. Correct. We we've had to create those spaces for ourselves and then wait for everybody else to catch up. That's real shit. Which speaking of which, how did you? And I'm I'm bringing this question to you in a second. But yeah. how did you? We we got from you DJing, passing out, but we never got to you actually transitioning right. into rap. Forever. Okay. And then joining that crew that turned out to be <laughs> legendary. Myself, comedian, there we grew up on the same street. I knew him since I was like five years old. So whatever he did, I did. Whatever I did, he did. So rhyming was something we did on the school bus, at the basketball games, at the track meets, the football games, wherever. At the lunch table, you know, we're rhyming. Everybody was rhyming. So it was something that everybody did. So I did it the same way he did it, or whatever, you know, whatever. And it just was something I had a knack for. Same with comedian, there. He, we we both had a knack for it, and I think us. 
growing up together, it kind of, you know, we sharpen each other's, you know what I'm saying, iron sharpen iron. We, we, you know, we just made each other more on point with whatever we did. Uh, you know, it just made us both like a friendly competition, although we were never in competition with each other. It was us in competition with everybody else. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, we would, it was just something we would do. And then we had a homeboy who played football for Rice. His name was Emerson Allen. He played football for Rice University. He was like a running back receiver, you know, star player. But he had like a little makeshift studio in his house. So when he would be not playing football, we'd be knocking at his door. We were the little kids, you know, like, hey, man, let's rap over there. The annoying little kids. So, you know, after a while, <laughs> us letting us, him letting us rap on, the, you know, on beats and stuff. It would be something where, you know, we got our own like little fake ass demo, you know, right. and we, you know, go give it to whoever, this person, that person. Well, you know, the Swisher House was founded by Michael 5000 Watts and yep. OG Ron C. Ron C, OG Ron C, I went to church with his mom. His mom was, wow. you know, the head of the choir. His stepdad was an elder at the church. Me and his sister were the same age. He had a little sister that I used to babysit, you know, with, with the youth program. So his grandma, you know, was at the church. So. She told him from day one, hey man, make sure you don't let him go astray. Make sure you take care of him. Don't, you know, don't let me be out here wild and I like she made him responsible for anything I did. Mm -hmm. So he made that clear to me. Hey, everything you out here doing, you ain't gonna hear it. I'ma hear it. So make sure you ain't out here making me look bad. Cause then I'm, you know, he was really big bro me where he, you know, really mentored me and showed me and taught me that, you know, even though. Whatever decision I make out here is not just coming back on me. It's other people who are answering for this too. Guys, that's what an OG is supposed to do. Yep. You heard that? That Rewind this. If your OG is not doing that for you specifically, if he's not doing that, he's not your OG. I, I, I always tell OG Run C, hey, you, OG, you, you big OG Run C now, but I was the first... <laughs> I, was first, I was the first person to use OG too. Shit. He taught me how to DJ too. Even then, you know, it was somewhere, you know, I always want to set a turntables where, you know, he had somebody who could hook me up with a, a set for, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to get too much in detail before, you know, a, a less than store price. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and th that was my turntables that I would go DJ parties with, but he also would, you know, do the mixtapes with, you know what I'm saying? So. And, and even then, from my affiliation with the Swisher House, my dream was never to be a rapper in the Swisher House. It was just to be a, in the Swisher House. No matter mm -hmm. if I'm passing out flyers, a DJ, if I'm making grills for the Swisher House, if I'm cleaning floors at the Swisher, it was just for me to. I this is you know a dream job. So, so at the time, actually at the time, my dream was to work at the radio station. But you know, I was too young, and they had uh, they had a scandal that went on where they had like an intern that was underage, some sexual happened or something. Mm. So they no longer let anyone under eighteen work at the radio. So mm. I was like, oh, I thought my dreams were crushed. I thought that was the end of me in the music industry right there. So <laughs> passing out flyers or doing something else was like, okay, I'm st I still got hope. I still got mm. life. And you know, rapping, you know, on, on you know, doing a, a traditional route with a demo stuff like that was that was like more of a okay, I can maybe make it this way. But I was already kind of loosely affiliated with you know Switch House being it you know OG Run C Mama his grandma all them you know I was close with him. I would go to his house and watch him you know DJ. He I would be sitting there watching him DJ and he'd be like get out get out the room get out the room. To, you know, then, then when he perfects something, he'd be like, all right, come here, come here. And he'd be like, watch, watch me, watch me. And I'd sit there and watch him. And all right, now you do it. And I'd fuck it up. And he'd be like, all right. And he'd close the door. And he'd be like, I, I ain't coming back to you. Don't knock on the door until you're done. 
It'd be eight hours later. Shit, don't knock it. on the door till you done uh, and you got it. And when I come back in, you better have it right. Okay, cool. That's what. So that's DJing was something I thought <laughs> I could be. Now at that time, I'm gonna take you back. You gotta imagine what it was like. I wrapped on my first Wish I Was tape in 1999. Okay, when I was 17 in 1998, me and T. Ferris were pressing up tapes and CDs for the mm. Swish House. And we were, you know, staying overnight 24 hours a day, pressing up CDs, driving them to Dallas, San Antonio, Austin. So I was working in the Swish House in other capacities, just not rapping. Mm. But keep in mind, this was the hottest shit in Texas. Unless you was from the south side of Houston, this was the hottest shit everywhere else because the south side of Houston was screwed up only. There was no Swish House. It was only DJ Screw screwed up. Mm-hmm. But everywhere else in Houston, everywhere else in Texas was Swish House, okay? Where they were where they were open to it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Of course, the screwed up click always ran it, but it was like, okay, they open to listening to you if you're from Dallas. I mean, if they from Dallas, but not on the south side of Houston, mm-hmm. okay? But when I tell you it was the hottest shit, so me rapping, it was a, it was a line out the door around the corner to, to get in the Swish House, right. to get in the front door. So it was no getting in that front door. You would be sitting there waiting, and I would be with Michael Watts or G. Ron C. And people, would, rappers, would come up trying to get down, and they would immediately like, "Do not answer." That's what they say. They ain't. I ain't. Nah, it's just another rapper want to get down with. Just want to use us, you know, kind of thing. So I said, "Damn, man, I ain't never gonna be able to rap on a switch out take. Because if you, <laughs> if you ever, if you even ask, then shit, that's the end of your opportunity." So this is how I started rapping with the Switch House. One time, I'm putting up posters at a, a record shop in Houston and Michael Watts is coming dropping off some tapes to the record shop and I just happened to ask him I said Watts man you know I love cash money man you know I love Manny Fresh how come I ain't never heard Slim Thug or anyone else in the Switch House J Dog, Lil Mario how come I ain't never heard them rap on a Manny Fresh beat man what's going on Manny Fresh got the hardest beats why y'all ain't rapping on them and he would say well you know the rappers pick what beat they gonna rap on and I tell him now nah, man you need to pick a Manny Fresh beat and tell them to rap on it. He said, well, what's your favorite Manny Fresh beat? I said, man, Cash Money is an Army. BG, Cash Money is an Army. Bum, 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 dum, 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 bum, 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 bum. So why started, you know, beatboxing doing just like what I'm doing, what we're doing? He said, right, what would you say on that? And I just kicked the freestyle. And really? Like, yeah, right on the spot. What would you say on that beat? What would you say on it? I was like, what would I say? Shit, this is what I was saying. <laughs> he already knew I rapped because, you know, we would have our demos that we would be passing out. But I never crossed the line, I, I guess, you know, of asking, can I rap with you? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was too scared to because I knew if I asked, he's going to say no. Put you in that. So even then, it wasn't me asking, can I rap? It was me as a fan. Can y'all rap on Manny Fresh Beats? Because I know mm-hmm. Slim Thug will kill this shit, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, that's when he said, come on. I said, shit, come on. We went to the, we went to the, to the Dust Bowl. That's the Switch House. We went over there. I laid, I laid my verse, I actually laid two verses on something, and you know, next thing you know, a week later, he calls me and said, hey man, the, the computer crashed. But that was like a normal thing, you know, where the, the, the files would be lost. Mm-hmm. So it would be like, okay, did it crash? Cause, you know what I'm saying? That's your way of saying, hey, you ain't rapping with us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> or did it really crash? Right. Either way, it is what it is, you know what I'm saying? But he was like, no, nah, no, nah, it crashed, but hey, come back over, you know, next Tuesday, and we'll, we'll lay something new. And matter of fact, bring, bring your boy Comedian with you too. It was one of them things too, I think, at the time where I had a hell of a work ethic when it came to promotion. But Comedian Air was somebody I think Michael Watts kind of favored. 
You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he favored how comedian there rapped more than he favored how I rap. Mm-hmm. But it was like, mm, even though you know I'm the one who got in the door, now you can come. Even though I was the guest, even though I, I had mm-hmm. the ticket, I was the guest. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of how it was. <laughs> so Chameleon there was making noise already. No, nah, we you got you or you bought Chameleon there to the Switch House. Actually, well, I can't say I brought him to the Switch House, although you know that, he asked for that's kind of yeah, you asked right. for him. You know what I'm saying? It was like shit, bring Chameleon with you. It was like shit, come in. You want to come rap with me? Come on, because it was one of those things where. You rap on a Switch House tape, then instantly you a celebrity in the neighborhood. Right. And when I say celebrity, I mean celebrity. You walking in, getting free food everywhere you go, everything's free. Everybody mm. want, you know, it's just you big time celebrity. So it was <laughs> shit. Whether I you, sh- I wish it was like that here. <laughs> <laughs> Too competitive over here. <laughs> well, no, it, it can't. They. We talked about this before. There's certain places in the country where the independent scene is so crazy that mm. they don't have to leave their state. Right. Texas is massive. You always spoke yeah. on that though. Because I remember interviewing him and Slim when they came up to New York and they it was made very clear to me that they were just doing this because it was like going through the motions. They didn't have to. Mm. They, they, there's nothing about the units they were moving and the shows they were doing that said, hey, we have to go to New York and do press so everybody else knows that we're doing something. It was kind of like, ah, okay, we got some money. Let's just go to New York and we'll do some promo and right. get in the magazines. But <laughs> We almost then- didn't want to. Because then, okay, also, all my rap OGs, they all told us, hey, when you go to New York, bring your A game. You better, better come on with it. They'll come to your show and boo the fuck out of you. They'll, they'll <laughs> buy your ticket. Like, for real. So they would tell us, like, we were already, you know, and then New York had the perception. That's why I say my perception in New York was completely wrong. Because New York had a perception that everybody here is a fucking hater. But that wasn't my experience at all. When I came here, I got none but love. Every, every, I never, I can, I can honestly say I never once ever experienced any type of hate. Now, if somebody don't like how I rap, that's understandable. I don't like how tons of people rap. That's not right. hate, though. Right. That's not hate. Right. Exactly. That's a preference. Right. Exactly. Also, a lot of people get misconstrued to where, you know, you pop in, in your hood, then you come here, you think you popping too. Nobody fucking ever heard of your name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I ain't never come here with no expectations and entitlement of, okay, I know I'm big where I'm big, so I'm going to be big here too. Mm-hmm. And I always had an admiration for New York. I mean, it's still the mecca of hip hop. It's still the birthplace of all this. My favorite rappers, you know, were from here or, you know, made a name for themselves here or something. So, you know, so it was like, okay, this is something where I don't want to come here and be ostracized. I want to come here and make a name for myself too. Mm-hmm. So whatever we got to do, let's shit, mm-hmm. let's do it. So, but when you first come here though, it's definitely one of the things where you intimidated because it's, it's New York. So you thinking everybody going to be walking down the street, fuck you, fuck you, fuck I don't like your shit, you know what I'm saying? But, Are you saying good morning, man? Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> not, you're not that wrong one. <laughs> nah, but, York, fuck I look like saying good, good morning. morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, nah, I just think that, you know, it's a, a, you know, people don't have as much patience here, you know what I'm saying? That's I think a, right, a lot of times. Right. So it's, 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 you know, it's, it, people want their space. People want their privacy. People want, it, it's all understood. So it's like, shit, if I'm walking up to you and I don't know you and I'm talking to you, you might be like, get the fuck out of my face. Why are you talking to me? Which is understandable. You know what I'm saying? So shit, it's, <laughs> it's just it's one of those things where I don't know. I had a perception of New York that shit was not what it was. You know, I thought it was going to be a hell and it was not. It was shit. We got was love something you're seeing on TV? Somebody from... Somebody told you or something? Yeah, like I say, it was my all my rap OGs. It was, and I don't necessarily think they had bad experiences necessarily, but you know, growing up in the East Coast West Coast rivalry 
it's just thought, you know, that nobody gives a fuck about Texas because nobody did. So it was somewhere when we coming up making a name for ourselves in Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Arkansas, or like, you know, the, the Southwest or that type of third coast, what we call the third coast. You know, it, it, we making a name for ourselves there. It was like, well, if, if they're not feeling us anywhere, why are we going to go there? Let's keep doing what we do. I mean, we don't want to go somewhere we, just we to get booed. music everywhere, though. New York right. City. No, that, but that's new. That's new. He's not wrong. That's no, new. no, that's true. But I'm saying we, well, well me, I'm going to speak for myself. I yeah. embrace music everywhere. Like, I've been fucking with the South. Like, yeah. T.I. came out before he started buzzing and all of that. I was fucking with the... You know what I mean? Down South mm. music. Well, that's, I ain't gonna lie. It was it, a little different. Not to cut you. It was a little different for me because once I heard certain East Coast rappers mentioning South rappers, that's mm. when I started tapping into them. So when I started hearing Jay Z talk about, you know, when you had Bun B and Pimp C yeah, on yeah. Big Pimp, and Pimpin'. then he's on something with Juvenile, and I'm like, who's these guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I start tapping into that's the when the remixes start. You know? What yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. But prior to that, I was just oh, New York. Nah, not me. You know what I mean? Well, I, I remember the first time I performed out here with Dipset. And we came out here. Dipset had a show. It was a camera on, matter of fact. But he brought all Dipset with him. And it was sold out. I can't remember the name of the place it was at. But it was at some big-ass club. And he was like, I'm going to bring you out of, you know, to do a song. And I'm like, I'm doing Still Tipping or something. So Still Tipping was popping. It was big yeah. around the country. We got to talk about that. They didn't necessarily, I don't know at the time, you know, when the video came out on BT, that's when they kind of was like, okay, that's who that is rapping. But even then, you know, I remember coming out on stage and it'd be from everybody worshiping Dipset to everybody staring at me like this. But <laughs> it would be like, I grew up in Houston. So in Houston... That okay, we have a little man complex sometimes where if you come there, this is how we gonna stare at you. Cause you from New York. I don't want you thinking I'm on your dick. So I'm a, I'd rather you mm. think I was a hater than you think I'm on your dick. It's like that here. It's like that everywhere. That's why yeah, I, yeah. I understand that's why I kind of mm-hmm. I get it. It's not a, it's not haters, it's the same shit that we got. They, mm-hmm. If I'm from out of town, y'all not gonna ride my nuts. But if I talk to you, have a conversation. Then it's gonna be, hey, I got a lot of love for you. I got a lot of love for Sometimes you too. Sometimes it don't respect. even be that. It just they want to get familiar with who you are, right? Before they give you, you know a what chance, I'm saying? like they know who Dipset is. You know what I'm saying? Like right. some, they probably like, who the fuck is this? You know what I mean? New York motherfucker. And then you right. got introduced. You got introduced, man. You got to prove it. We got trust issues. You always got to prove it out <laughs> yeah. here. You know. But we also have we also have a complex. Yeah. We yeah. also have a superiority complex, which is it's it's not. My boss from the source, shout out to OG uh, Jeremy Miller. Jay Mill, what's up, baby? Jay Mill put me on to every, because he was from Oklahoma, and they call that the Dusty South. So me and him used to debate all the time about who was nice, who was this, who was that, and he he would bend my ear to things, to music I'd never heard. Mm. But he was so, he was so adamant about it. And he knew the lyrics the same way that I knew a Red Man song. He knew this song the same way that I was talking about Hit Squad. He was talking about Swisher House, and I'm talking about Boot Camp, and he be talking about Screwed Up. And I was, like, how you got somebody for everybody that I got? But he was really on it like that. And he that was his Wu Tangs, exactly. But you know for him, saying? that was everything. And these these are dudes we never heard of. And in mm-hmm. New York, we got an issue where if I ain't heard of you, it must be because you trash. <laughs> Must be because you whack. No, I know everything. So if I'd never heard of you, you, you ain't must outside. Suck. You ain't exactly. Outside. Right, right, right. So yeah. Paul Walt, who the fuck is that? I don't know that nigga. And it's not even that I've even heard him to make a judgment on his music. Right. I've never heard of him. Fuck out of here. Don't yeah. mention him while I'm mentioning somebody that we yeah. all talked about. <laughs> yeah. Yo, I can't terminology just burned it down. A word who was G Rap? A word? Yeah. 
okay. That's that's. I just heard Paul Wall rapping with Redman. Like niggas was going back and forth. Word. All right, let me see what's. Then it's a different thing. But we got we we really thankfully technology has changed mm-hmm. that for a lot of us. And now there are no borders. Now there's no. Now yeah. somebody from Canada shows up. And nobody yeah. knows where he's from exactly, except for Canada. But the South yeah. embraces him, the East embraces him, the West. And Paul Wall shows up. Now he's some the grills they got in Japan, off the strength of this. You know what I mean? There's yeah. Japanese dudes with low riders, and and uh, swangers. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Give me give me the name of the rep. swangers. Yeah, take some wild wheels. Yeah, God. Down the street, and they got a mix going. When you see the photos of them come back, they got bandanas, they got grills. Some of the cars jump up and down. Some of them are the latest Mercedes. Some of them go from side to side, slow down. But I know, I know, in LA they they had the low riders going on. Was y'all inspired by that? I think um, when Snoop first videos, for sure, for sure, there was definitely some inspiration. But Texas always is like they got their own shit. Yeah, it's like, okay, how can we make this our own? You know right. what I'm saying? And it was something where we definitely was inspired by them because when you see Snoop and Dr. Dre, you know, number of G thing exiting off the freeway and they pulling up to the, you know, the volleyball where they, you know what I'm saying, having mm-hmm. a cookout, all of that. Those was iconic imagery of the cars. So it was like, okay, you know, uh, that's where Lil Kiki gets a lot. That's why he got, he definitely needs a lot of the credit because a lot of the way him and his friends would make the cars, how they would customize them became the way Houston customizes cars. Mm-hmm. But it began as, you know, Lil Kiki, Corey Blunt, you know, all, all these OG, you know, Lil Kiki might have been the only one that was a rapper. Everybody else was just, you know, like what we would call influencers now. You know what I'm saying? But they just, shit, they would, this is how they would do their cars. That became how we do our cars, uh, for sure. And the, with the wheels sticking out, they became, you know, the, the, they were Krager wheels. There was a, you know, a package you could buy when you buy the Baritz. You, you know, it would be an extra package with the Vogue tires and the Krager wheels, you know, in the fifth wheel. You know, it'd be a, a drop top car. Everything, you know, the only thing we would do custom would put candy paint on it or get a custom, you know, chrome grill for it or, you know, stuff with the music. And then with, you know, when Pimp, Rock, when Pimp My Ride came out, everything we would see on Pimp My Ride was shit that we were doing to our cars. We were already doing, like, we already had TVs in our cars. We, we weren't doing some of the crazy, crazy stuff, like, you know, maybe, you know, that, that they would do on like we wouldn't fish tanks and yeah shit. put a fish yeah. tank in it but you know but it, it would be all the creme my rice stuff was how we would do it it just we would have the wheels that would poke out and uh you know that became just the staple Y'all of still doing that right still now. still doing it you got still. you doing but you got about 18 inches outside your yeah they, they they they've definitely been um when they first came out they were like 15 inch wheels you know what right. i'm saying 16 inch wheels and they were aluminum so you hit any little pothole or something, they're gonna so, dent all right up. They they weren't welded completely around, so you know the wear and tear on them would be terrible, man. Where they would come loose, they start you know clacking. The spokes was like be clacking. Uh, well, this company Texan Wire Wheel came and they made steel wheels where they were welded all the way around, uh, and you know, and they just took it to another level where they had offered different sizes where there was 17s, there was 18s, there's 20s, you know, mm-hmm. and then. Then for how far they would stick out, they started off sticking out, you know, one certain, you know, length, and now they go, 
Man, they got some wheels that stick out like this far on each side <laughs> now. Where is she? I seen a post you put up uh, uh, yeah. on one of your, your rides. I forgot what Bro, kind of car was. My but. wheels, when I go to my hood, they say, ah, oh, you got them little dicks. Oh man, you got them little rings. Yeah, hey, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's that's what they call them. Yeah, they call them what? They say you got them little dicks. You got them long dicks. You got them long dicks. That's what they call shit. Hey, hey, man, you got them little dicks. Hey, man. Nah, but you know, I go out of town. Everybody talk about how how far my wheels stick out. But when I come home, they like, man, you got them little ones, man. You gotta get the way you got them little ones on there. They say, oh, you got them old ninety seven. Wheels on there, man. This ain't '97 no more, shit, man. But cars out there looking like Tonka trucks. Yeah, they. It, but and it speaks to space. They got yeah. the space for it. Oh it's yeah, like, we yeah. The, the, the lanes too. We got them. Yeah. We got the yeah. even as even as far as my wheels stick out, they inside the lane. They still See? inside the lane. Wow. That's that's not the case here. You yeah, you couldn't no. have. Uh, Y'all take that down to cameras out there. Speed cameras. We do, but they illegal. <laughs> hey, we got them, but you don't got to pay the ticket. Just send your ticket, but you don't got to. Yeah, they, they He's out there it. racing all day. Yeah. Right. yeah. You know yep. what we going to do? We're going to take a five minute, and when we come back, we're going to get into we'll your origin story. And then I want to hear how this album happened in general. Yeah, for sure. Five minute right. break. Right. We went through a good chunk of Paul's career and how he got to it, but your start, similar to his, Right, but you started just like with bars. People did not know where you were from, had no idea how to take you once you said you were from Boston, but you're getting co-signed by all these legends. So I can only imagine that the same way the pressure is up for him as far as like joining this legendary crew, you're now being co-signed by a legendary artist and like super legendary artist. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in the in the area we so now here comes the album. Walk us through getting into Making the album, the first album, like, what was that pressure like yeah, to live up to right. all this hype that you created for yourself? Facts. It was, uh, it was like a career before my career. Like I had a career before my real career. Um, just like rapping in, as a kid, I started rapping when I was nine years old mm. and making my first demos at like you know 12, 13, 14. Mm. First time going to the studio. And then, you know, just doing shows like 16, 17, 18. So, uh, you know, when I finally put out a couple mixtapes and started getting like some real traction, got the unsigned hype in the source, you know, and that was a big deal back then. You know, it was back like you, yeah, you would get signed. That. You would get signed off that. Yep. And not only would you get signed, but everybody's reading that magazine. Whoever your favorite rapper was at the time, Nas, Jay-Z, everybody's reading it. And only one person could get it a month. So I remember when I got it, like the game had called my manager, wanted me to come play music. I went to every major label. It was like, it, it really did help with the buzz. And um, it was like, I went to all these labels and all these people were like, yo, you so fire, but we can't sign you. And it kind of came down to like, we think you're a great rapper, but we don't know how to market underground rap right now. Mm. You know? What year was this? This is like 06, 07. <laughs> so I, I ain't gonna lie. Mm. like. It was hip hop was in a weird space it because was, yeah. the not if I came out in like in the nineties I would have been out of here because right. I had the nineties style and nineties cosigns so it was like there was a whole like ten years of the underground where it was real dry and it was only it was a it was only a, a few like handful of artists that was keeping the underground alive you know what I'm saying and I was one of those artists that was just 
coming like coming into the blog era and, and everybody was changing with every wave. So it was like, okay, whatever Flex is playing on the radio right now, mm. mostly down south music right now, all right, we got to make a down south track. Remember that? Mm. In yeah, New York, yeah, remember that yeah. time? Yo, yeah. we need our down Lil south John track. was on fire. We need, one, we need yeah. at least one down south track. We need yeah. a yeah, hyphy track. Fine. We need, oh, it's hyphy now. We need a hyphy track. Oh, it's crunk. We need a, yo, we need, let's make a Houston song. Anything let's but throw an East some Coast down sound. in the hook. So anything but East Coast. Anything they but were the running from sound. it. And instead, I was embracing it. I got my start with DJ Premier, which mm. is what I always wanted anyway. Mm. So I was like, all right, you know, the road less traveled. It was like, it's going to be harder going this way, but I feel like this is the, the true way for me to be myself and have longevity in hip hop. And I'm so happy I did because I remember like the people around me, I ain't going to say no names, but the other underground cats around me, a lot of them were jumping out the window just trying to do whatever was hot at the time. Mm. Mm. And I bet you if they hear those records right now, they won't be proud of them. Mm, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but when I do shows, I still do my records from 06, 07, right. 09, and they still. I, w- I was in Mexico City last week, and mm. they knew my shit. They'll all watch how I go down. All my primo shit, they knew all that shit. Because mm-hmm. uh, that type of fan base, man, will last forever. That true fan base that yep. loved you from the underground, Grass that shit will last forever. So you better off to just be yourself, you know what I mean? Then. Than trying to jump on every wave, but everybody wants to be famous. Turn like I know. Being, being famous is is for a lot of people more important than being good. I know being dope, like they they want to be definitely famous. more important than being good or dope. You know, in this era, but I, I think but the not most, to you. No, not for me. I mean, shit. I always knew that. Like I always knew my path. I always knew that the underground had to keep going. Somebody mm. had to be the new guru. Somebody had to to keep the lyricism going. The the black thought, the big pun, the Nas, like the shit that that made me want to rhyme. Everybody can't be that A-list artist. Somebody got to keep the underground alive. And I feel like that was me and Static's job. Mm. You know, we we came to New York and was able to do what Gangstar did. (laughs) Two cats that's not from New York who but you had the the sound going. You had the opportunity to go and and you could have left that alone at yeah. any given moment and because you had the music, you had the ties, you had the industry label right. connects. You know what I mean? Yeah. You you knew the formula. It was a simple formula at the time between when the nineties was doing this and before the South complete takeover, there was this space in the middle that you're describing. You could have yeah. you could have made a run at it, but you you d- fuck that. Yeah, I just felt like it was just better to just make what was true to me. Mm-hmm. Now now everybody wants to hit. Let's, let's be real. Everybody yeah. wants to hit, right? In my mind, I was like, I want a black Rob Woe hit. Mm. Something that's true to me. A classic record. But could still ring off wherever I go. Mm-hmm. Annie Up hit. Timeless shit. Feel me? I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, if I could catch one of those, then uh, Farrah Monch, you get know, boom, 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 boom. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, if I could get one of those, I'll be all right. That was kind of how I looked at it. I never really looked at it like, all right. I gotta compete with, you know, whoever's hot this this year, because mm. it changes every year who's hot. I remember when I went to Interscope, they were like, "Oh, you Puerto Rican?" They were all excited for the meeting, and they had this big picture of Daddy Yankee, and he's sipping a Pepsi and all this shit. And they're like, "All right, so you're gonna do three Spanish songs, and then you can do all that other shit you want to do." And I'm like, "Nah, dog, I don't do Spanish rap. I just played you Pete Rock, my song with Prodigy from Mob Deep, rest in peace. Mm. I pr- I played you Buck Wild. I played you DJ Premier." This is what I'm bringing to the table. It's like, ah, but yo, this guy just sold 700,000. Just 
You just gotta do what he did, and then right. and it, it was like no, dis- no disrespect to that. That's mm-hmm. that's my that's my roots. My family loves that shit, but that's not my shit. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I'm an underground hip hop artist, specifically East Coast boom bap artist. Mm-hmm. And so it was like that was a that was the struggle. Um, they didn't know how to market an artist like me. I feel like. Did you did you beside that time that you said that you was on the stage with Kanye, Kid Cudi, and the rest of the cats? Did you ever connect with Kanye after that? Nah. Never. That was the that was a moment like that okay. yeah, it was it was like Kanye is bigger than life to, from then till now. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like no, shit. I mean, the reason I ask is because I think about the fact that like you know you had Tribe Called Quest, you had Jungle Brothers, right? You had that conscious era hip hop early in the '90s, right? Mid '90s, and then Kanye does this you know track for Jay Z and blows the fuck up, and then people realize he could really rap, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, being that he could really rap and he could really make dope beats. And he's really attached to the culture. He he's a bars guy. He goes back and he says, yeah. "I'm gonna take Slim Village. Right. I'm gonna take right. Little Brother. Right. I'm gonna yeah, take right. Twister. I'm gonna take Common. This person, that person, and I'm gonna curate this this group of. I mean, this um this culture of music that's been missing for for so long. And I'm gonna make them big mm-hmm. based off of what I've done. So I feel like there's like some type of formula there. Yeah. You know what I mean? For for artists like yourself, who has bars, who's classic, who's worked with wave. classic I'm just producers. a little too young. Right. Just a little too young. Like through the wire, I was still like high school. I'm just a little too young. You feel me? He mm-hmm. went and grabbed artists that inspired him and made right. them relevant again. You feel me? Gotcha. I just a little... By the time like I came out in 08, mm-hmm. he was already... He was up top. He yeah. was out of here in yeah. 08. You know what I'm saying? He was so already it was like, on what? 808s and Heartbreaks. If he was untouchable by then, it was like 10 times platinum going at it with 50 Cent, who right, could sell right. the most. Like right, I missed right. that. that under, when he was going to SOBs doing shit with Talib, I was still in high school. I missed that. Unfortunately, I missed I that because I know I if I was you. around him at the right time, yeah, he would have been yeah. like, oh, come here. Yeah, that's a fact. You know fact. what I'm saying? Because he did it with Static. Static did two beats on Dark Twisted Fantasy. He mm, didn't get credit for them, but he did. He did them. He what beats? Them. Which ones? He did, uh, he did Lost in the World and one other one. He, he, he did the drums in the studio with Kanye. And he wow. said when they passed the credits in, his name wasn't on the, uh, wasn't on the list. That sucks. So, you know, he don't feel wow. no type of way about it. He got, he got- I do. I mean, yeah, he did. We when didn't it know that. We yeah. just found that out. Today. Yeah, yeah. He did it. He was in Hawaii. He was in the studio with all of them, and he did. He did the drums, and then I remember, you know, one of the beats I picked, and he was like, "Yo, you can't have that beat because it's going on Kanye shit." And I'm like, "All right, hell yeah, get it, get mm-hmm. it, my bro." Right. And then when the shit came out, I remember he was heartbroken, and he like, "All right, fuck it, you can have that beat now because they didn't give me my credit." <laughs> so we end up using the beat, the same beat on our shit. For yeah. Lost in the, in the World. The, the drums, yeah. The oh, the drums, right. You know what I'm saying? Come on, it was two of them. Crazy. It was that one, it was another one. But that shit always never set. I'm not I'm not coming up here to shit on Kanye. It's just right, the industry's right. like that, right? You got 10 cats working on the beat. Sometimes people forget who did what. I'm not saying But no, that's, that's, happened, that's crazy but... because when Kanye was working on Stronger, and he went to all these other producers and he went to Timbo. That's the, that's the story that's out there everywhere. That nobody could do these drums He kept trying but shit Timbo, until he found right. the right one. Right. Yeah. And Timberland, you know, obviously him, Timberland and other producers got credit, but it was like Timbo made this track what it is. Right. Yeah, so it's like, why not do that with Static Selector? Yeah. You know I, I think I, if I had to guess, and I'm just, just me being a good person, I would say that it was just like the credit got forgotten. I don't think he was like, fuck Static or anything. You know what I'm saying? I think it was just, it was a hundred dudes in there and 
They just said, yo, nah, Amber Rose was fucking his head up. That's what happened. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Like, nah, you know, that shit, like, I ain't gonna lie. Once in a great while, I'll forget somebody's credit. But if right. you see the vinyl I gave you, you saw. No, yes. You saw yes. how you said, damn, you gave everybody credit. I've right. been breaking my brain trying to remember. Yo, Paul, who's that guy who was with in Houston recording right. your vocals? Yo, Celine, who was that? Who recorded your vocals in LA? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, for real, I'll be trying to remember everybody because I don't want nobody to do that to me. You know and that's a lesson for everybody that's a watching. Form, that's right a form there. of disrespect, though. If somebody took like the time out to like help for you sure. craft something, yeah. it, that's like missing the name on the album. Like we did a record together, but you put <laughs> yeah. the and then you don't put the feature. Yeah, yeah. that's like disrespect. You know who does who yeah. who's done that a bunch of times? Who? And I love you. We love him. LL, love LL. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happened? Yes. Bro, love you better. You don't know who's on the hook of love you better. Uh, you don't know who's on the okay. hook of doing it and doing it well. Mm. With the female so they, voice, right? So they get the background yeah. vocal you know credit, not the feature. Does anybody know who it was? Probably got paid. Yeah, probably yeah. got paid behind the scenes. Yeah, but the thing Man. is, it's like if you somebody who's a, I'm, I'm not saying this is the case yeah. with what LL did. I don't know what the politics probably was behind to, it. But it's like if you if there's a bunch of people in the studio and say Paul Wall say, yeah, champ, come to the studio. I'm I, and I know how to rap, or I know I write. I know how to write hooks. Probably signed the and NDA. it's just like, yo, this is one of my men's. I right, yo, just put this hook together. All right, yo, I gotta go, bro. I got something to take care of. Man. I'm out. Yeah. Right. The next thing you know, it's like if if Paul decides or or terminology decides to sing the hook, then it's like, yo, this hook is fire, and it just get overlapped. Right. Yeah. Just get overlapped. That the shit, label picks it up. Then it's like, all right, it's, it's out of here. Yeah, but I'm saying though, they probably got a bag and then sign this non-disclosure. That still doesn't negate the credit, though. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. But some people don't care. They be like, I don't give a fuck about this shit. Yeah, take the. I don't care. Give yeah, me that a couple my, dollars. My some people will do that. Being the label saying, "Nah, you the artist. We're not gonna blow up another artist, and whoever's yeah, on the hook is, they won't sign a deal with us. So we're not gonna put them on it because this is gonna get them a leg up for another mm. label to go sign them." It like it's additional, still additional up, vocals. Still That's what yeah. additional vocals. Yeah. You know. Or not even just yo. You're gonna get additional vocals. You're not a star. You nah, want you want the additional vocals, or you don't want to be on the track. Which so, is why I think late artists as business artists. Yeah, but artists need to have their hand on that as much as possible. Yeah. These yeah. we talking about career making moments for people right. who may never see that opportunity again. Right. Thank God, Static Select is genuinely, honestly talented mm-hmm. and can do it again and again and yeah, again yeah, because right, he, right. he's like that. He's really built like that. He's, mm-hmm. His his production game is ridiculous. Yeah. For all genres. Mm-hmm. Right. Big, I'm just telling For the sure. truth though. Facts. But God forbid you're not a static selector. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what and if you, you only had that one in you. Right. What if yeah. you only had like two or three good ideas and maybe this... <laughs> But they were the best ideas because that's to me one of his best albums, if not his best album. And not not even yeah. to say that you, know you only had one idea, but like, what if he could gave you more hits? The pressure of everyday life keeps you from being as creative as you can, and this opportunity would have gave you some financial leeway to now you're not stressing about the bills, and now you can sit down and come up with a whole tape full of that shit. But because yeah. you got skipped over, yo, yay, we love you, man. You you are great, man. Give Static his motherfucking. <laughs> give him his credit, man. Static At this point, what's it gonna hurt? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not gonna hurt. Send him a plaque the in the mail. Still or something, selling you know it, man. Send, send my boy a plaque on, out of respect. That's How all. About that, yeah, it ain't man. no hard feelings, but you know, uh, just send him on. a plaque. I'll be nice. Static selector had yeah. a spot in Brooklyn and Bushwick. Grimy. Yeah, I was there. Me and Saigon. Yeah. Like, yo, you in the hood, nigga? 
We was there for 12 years. That's what we did all our yeah, shit. Yeah, the little spiral yeah. stairs that come down in the crib. Motherfuckers sleeping on the stairs. Hell yeah. The show-off Damn. basement is legend in hip-hop, bro. Like, we brought so many artists there. We 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 pioneered so much shit in the show-off basement. Like, we created going live on live stream. Mm-hmm. Now everybody got Twitch and IG, Instagram Live and YouTube and going mm-hmm. live on. Yo, we had live stream. You remember that shit, right? I, bro. We had a bootleg-ass laptop. Shit, wasn't even a Mac. And we went live on live stream and would make a whole album in the night. One night mm. we did that with Freeway in the basement. Mm. It was Static was doing the production and he was picking the, the rapper. So he picked me. We did one. Then he well he did one with Saigon first. He set that one off. Then it was him and Freeway. Then it was him and Freddie Gibbs. Then it was mm. him and me. And then like once he perfected it, that's how Trill Static came about with him with, with Bun B and Static started right, doing right. the album in the day. And then they took it. To where it's at now, where it's like mm. major. Like now it's like they got corporate sponsors, they're doing vinyl. That's crazy, you bro. got rappers like Paul Wall flying in yeah. just to get on this tape and then flying home same night. Like he hopped off the plane. There's a hip hop guy right here. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. People are like, how's Paul Wall? He's hip hop. He flew all the way to New York, walked into the motherfucking sweet chick, wrote his rhyme, spit the shit, got back on the plane and went home same night. Wow, that's hip hop. Wow, you know what I mean. That's dope. So that's, that's dope. That's just that's how we that's how we want to live Hold in up. this shit. Yes, yeah, yes. Real Fire talk. Up. That's up. the energy that that's the energy that I always want to bring until the day I die. Like I see mm-hmm. Snoop and he's still rapping, and so sometimes people be like, damn yo, like when you gonna stop rapping? You got fifty albums already. You've been rapping since a little kid. Like you're not sick of that shit? Hell no, I'm not sick of that shit. I love this shit. I'm gonna rap until. I don't love it no more. You feel me? But I feel like I'm always gonna love it. We the only yeah. people that put a, a age limit on our shit. You know right. what I mean, we talk truly about that. just us. Truly, yeah. Yeah. and I, I don't mean black people. I mean hip hop. Hip hop, correct. Our genre is the only one well, who get him out of here. Couple years, bring in the next guy. Ageism to the point where we get we we sacrifice our best. Right. Some of our best creatives. It's and it's discuss. I got in an argument with a dude from Rolling Stone over that whole thing. Like back in the day. Yeah, early, early Rolling Stone. I don't even know if he actually worked there. He was just a, but this dude looked like leather pants, wallet chain, taco meat showing, leather vest, <laughs> silvered out. And me and him were having a conversation about something. And he was like, "Yo, you're really, you're, you're really on point. Like, what's, what's, uh, what are you here for?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm having a meeting to talk about." And I mentioned the rapper we were supposed to, and he rolled his eyes at me. And I always like, who's the rapper? I forgot. I, for, I honestly, God, forgot. Okay. I, I was. It was somebody I was assigned to talk to. He was gonna be at Rolling Stone, and okay. I was supposed to meet him there and then move from there. We got into this huge argument, which really should have been a much better argument because I'm good at arguing. But I had no points with him. He started shutting me down as far as like hip hop. You, you still you, hip hop. You guys are like ridiculous. You were supposed to be right behind rock and roll music. Look how much you fucked it up. You, you, you put the kids in charge of everything. Your legends are out the pasture. The inmates are running the asylum. What the fuck are you doing? Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Mm. Our legends can still tour. Mm. Your legends can't get on the radio. And he just started shitting on me. We 70, 80 years old, still doing whatever we want. 60 years old. Like, you guys, after 30, you're washed up. Like, what, who who does that? You're not even in charge of your own shit. And I, I walked out of there with, like, my head, because I couldn't. Somebody shut you down? What? I can't believe that. Stupid. Yeah. You you God were more damn. mad because it was Not, not the Aries Mecca. 
No, say you, that again. You were more mad because it was truth. In I it. was infuriated that it was. Mm. I, I was and you wanted furious. it to change, and we still wanted to change all day. But it's it's we, first we got to acknowledge the problem. One of the main right. problems is ageism. We got to get that shit out the paint. You have to stop dissing our legends. Yeah. Our legends need to be able to flourish the same way the right. Rock Boys do. Nobody tells Errol Smith to, uh, shit, to right. sit down. Rolling they just Jones, went. None of them. Errol, Errol Smith yeah. just announced their final their final tour. That doesn't even mean they're not going to put out albums. That just means this is the last tour. That means they toured till they got tired of doing it. Yeah. Chicago did the exact same shit. Farewell tour. We're not coming back out anymore. Yo, you know how ill you got to be. To tour to the point where it's like, all right, that's enough. Yeah. This is I, like Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Bluefish. He just dropped a new record. Nobody. Somebody nobody, rapping on it. On the, flip, on the flip side, though, we need better OGs in hip hop because. Like the one he had. Yeah, like we need better OGs. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I stay working with uh, rappers and producers that are on the come up. And sometimes I get like shit for it because, like, the OGs or like people who are more on be like, yo, why are you working with that person? They don't got no followers. They don't got no following. They're not, they're not doing nothing. You're wasting your time. And I'm like, yo, you gotta tap into the youth. You have mm-hmm. to work with the people that's coming up. And you know what I mean? You saw who I walked in the room with, two younger artists in their 20s. Mm-hmm. I walked in the artist in here with an artist named Jam and an artist named Soline. And mm-hmm. both of them are teaching me things. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They make way different music than I make. I'm not even making the type of music that they make, but at the same time, he like, I'm, I'm talking with him earlier. He like, yo, you heard that new Yeet song? Now, a lot of people my age don't know who Yeet is, right? But mm-hmm. he putting me on. Like, yo, he mm-hmm. got a song with Drake, Woomp Woomp. So now I'm like, all right, cool. So now we giving each other game because I'm like, all right, yo, you know who we going to chill with? This is the OG. He did this, that, and the third. And it's like, so we sitting there talking about who mm-hmm. really, really wrote the Benjamins. Mm-hmm. Yo, Jada Kiss wrote this verse. And he, yeah, I know you told me that. And he here telling me about Yeet. And I'm mm-hmm. telling him about who really wrote the Benjamins. Mm-hmm. So this is the type of relationship Bridging the OG the should have mm-hmm. with a 20-year-old. You'd be surprised what, what you learn from the youth, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the yeah. new slings, all that shit. You learn from them. You'd be like, what the fuck that mean? What yeah. is that? Well, back a couple right. years ago when everybody started saying drip, everybody laughed and it turned into a cultural term. Drip. Mm-hmm. Right. The OGs laugh. We don't say that shit. It's like, now it's played out. Now it's a new word. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, we've got to learn from the youth. And at the same time, the youth got to... Do their history. How's how's that experience for you? As I'm stuck in the middle. Know, as somebody who knows the history, though, yeah, when you're trying to pass it off to a 20 year old and right. put them on. Do you get? Do 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 you? Have, are you able to convey the level of importance of the information that you're giving them? Do they got, do they do they get that? Not not always. I think you got to pick who's who you want to mentor. There it is. You can't just mentor anybody. You'd be wasting mad time. It, I related to talking to my daughter. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. She, yeah, yeah, dad. She's not really hearing me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, God. So, it, you know, if it's something pertaining to hip hop, she's really not interested in that. Mm-hmm. So, but you, you're talking, we're talking about MCs, rappers, for producers, sure. Oh, yeah, DJs. but they don't know the history. This, this not cool for them to know the history in this culture, in this age group. It's not cool for them. Like, obviously, I wasn't listening to Melly Mel. I was listening to Wu-Tang. But I went and I read all these books and all these magazines and watched these Wild Style and I watched these documentaries crush to Crush Groove. I wanted to know who started this shit. I wanted to know where it came from, where I got the idea from. So seeing that the OGs have failed the youth and seeing that the youth don't really care to know what the OGs did anymore, it's like you got to find those like 
those those artists on the come up that care, that want to mm-hmm. listen to the OG, that want to be coached or at least given the knowledge. You know what I'm saying? And those are the ones that I'll take my time. I, I'll get I'll, I'll do a couple sessions with an artist and see how deep they want to get into the recording process and the music industry. How much do you really want to know? Because they all want to know the jewels. How do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do this? How do you do that? And I'll tell them. And the next, I'll give them assignments. All right. Your assignment is to go home and create a TuneCore account. Your assignment is to go home and create a BMI account. Mm. Your assignment is to go home and download this app. And your assignment is to go home and get a Spotify for Artists app. You look over the app, this, that, and the third. You got to make yourself a band camp. Start growing your following there so you can sell these vinyls and this and that. So I be giving them homework. And when they come back two or three times and they never do the homework, I'm like, all right, you're not ready. You just want to be right. a star, but you're not willing to do the work. Just mm. want to be famous. That's See? a fact. Talk but if, but if they go do currency. it and they put themselves on the shit, you know, then mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'll keep mentoring you because you're showing me that we can we can help each other here. You know and what you're, I'm you're, 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 you're extending the quality of the artists that we have now. You know what I mean? Right. You're adding to the quality of the artists that that come out. My biggest issue is I I just don't see a lot of quali- quality artists. I see yeah. a lot of people who want to be famous. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people who want clout. I see a lot of people who want women. I see a lot of people who want money. I don't see a lot of people who want to be dope, who want to make dope music. If if they didn't have to make music, they wouldn't. Mm. Which mm. is where I think a lot of the call me crazy, I think it's where a lot of the influencers come in from. I think yeah. if you guys could make music, you'd be making music. Yeah. You can't make music and you found an easier way. For so sure. this is what you're doing now. And it makes money and it's it's great and I'm not mad at it, but use the music as a tool for the fame and the money now instead of making the music because you love music. And I love music. Yeah. I, the only reason I get mad at it is because the music now suffers. This the, the kind of music we have suffers. I had never been to Houston, Texas. Never been. J Mill played me Paul Wall. I felt like I had been there. Mm-hmm. You give that picture. album a good listen, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is how they I felt like I had a cousin in Texas. I felt like I could <laughs> go to Texas and get along. Like, oh yeah. shit, I, I kind of know some shit. This is Fire, my same age. Right. Talking, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. people, people in my age range, up, down, whatever. But that's what I. That's music was the big connector. And now that everybody wants to talk about the exact same thing, I don't feel any connection to it because most of y'all is lying. Mm. Most of y'all, most of y'all is lying. You're literally just saying whatever you think is going to get you paid. Mm. Like that era you went through, yeah. when it was like I can make music like this mm-hmm. and kind of get on. I can keep doing what I really do and express myself to the people. Right. They went the other way. Yeah, right. no, that yeah. shit is that shit is dead now too. Anybody could be anything because you don't even need to see anybody. You could just you could just be somebody on IG and then not do live shows and not mm. really talk to people. You could just t- take a picture, put a filter on it. You know, talk a certain way. You don't even have to be a human anymore. You can just be. <laughs> you can just make music. Avatar. Make music and put a cover, and then it's like we think. They're this person, like you don't even have to be that person. You know what I'm saying? It's it's bugged out, especially yeah. with the AI shit now and all that. Which now we're talking a whole new level of not even having to be a human. You know what I'm saying with this shit? Can you it's imagine life if we never got to see what Paul Wall really looked like? <laughs> that one dude who hates white people still walking around hating white people, <laughs> but bumping Paul Wall crazy. That is shit. Nah, that's funny as shit. Fuck Yo, white I got, people. I got a question for you, Paul. Yeah. So, um, how did the uh, drive slow come about? Were, were you Kanye 
and all them other brothers. Man, Drive Slow, the origin story of Drive Slow for me started with Sitting Sideways. Okay. Sitting Sideways was a beat. My boy T. Ferris gave me, said, hey, I got this beat for you. The same guy who made Still Tipping, Sally, Sally Williams, Carnival Beats, he got a beat for you. Mm. It's Sitting Sideways, got Big Pokey on the hook. My favorite screwed up click rappers were Lil Kiki, Fat Pat, and Big Pokey. So mm. it was something I had never did a song with Big Pokey before, or Fat Pat, he had got killed. And I had never did a song with Lil Kiki before. Lil Kiki always was my favorite. Uh, so see, fair say, all right, look, all you got to do is one verse. We're going to get Big Pokey on the other verse and Lil Kiki on the third verse. Mm. So this was a dream come true, ideal song. Like if you could pick, hey, name two people you do a song with. Okay, these were the two people. Right. <laughs> so we had just uh, signed our deal with Warner Music, with Asylum. My stuff was coming out on Atlantic. Atlantic said, hey, we're not putting two unsigned people on your song. We'll, mm. we'll put one, but we're not putting two unsigned <laughs> people on your song. So we chose Big Pokey because it was his sample on the chorus. It was okay. his, It was something he said in on a famous screw tape, June 27th, and we sampled that for the chorus. So it was okay, we're going to put Big Pokey on the verse. Maybe we'll keep Lil Kiki verse for the remix. But, you know, the remix never, I don't think it ever even came out. But imagine me. I got to tell Lil Kiki, hey, I begged you to get on my song. You did it. Now nah, we ain't even using it. Like, he probably was like, man, fuck yeah. you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it was like, man, I, I, was, it was, I was heartbroken because, you know, it's, your, it's like me telling, you know, Biggie, hey, I got you on my song, but you ain't on it no more. What? Like, how could that even happen? But mm. at the time, he was unsigned, and he wouldn't sign with Atlantic or Warner Brothers. So they were like, well, he ain't in our system. We're not going to do universal work for, for them. So anyway... We, Lil Kiki got taken off and T. Ferris told me, man, why don't you write two new verses? Because I already had to write one new verse to cover a Lil Kiki verse that got took off. But he said, hey, man, why don't you write two new verses? Because there's just something about that verse that don't really go with this song. This is how I used to write verses back in the day. I would get, this is before I used to smoke a lot of weed. Now I smoke a little bit more. It's, a, it's easier for me to concentrate. But at the time, I wasn't smoking it at all. So... I'd go in there, you know, it'd be music, it'd be the, 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 the heater going. That would distract me from writing my verse. I, could, I can't think straight. So anytime I, I got to write a verse, I would get like the first, first, lit, first bar just so I can get the tempo on my head. Then I'd go in the, you know, the closet or the bathroom or go sit in my car. So sitting sideways, I went and sat in my car outside and I wrote my verse. Okay, when I come back in the booth to lay it, it's like the telephone game. You know, I tell you, you tell you. By the time I get back around to me, the story didn't change. That's how it was. Well, I'm writing the verse, you know, to, to the beat. But in my mind, the beat going like this. But really, the beat going like this. So <laughs> when I try to lay it, it's a little bit off. That's why I like in Still Tipping, Since Sideway, a lot of my earlier verses, my words would kind of be jumbled together where it was like a style, but it was not intentional. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, shit. That's crazy. <laughs> but T. Ferris said, man, look. The verse you saying on here, you saying some shit. You saying some good, you got some bars, but something about it, it just don't go to the tempo. It just don't go to the beat. And I was like, man, you crazy. Man, this verse is hard. Man, you crazy. I just, I knew I had something, but he was like, yeah, it is hard, but it just don't go to the beat. 
And he, I was like, nah, I don't know. I ain't changing it, man. And he was like, all right, well, if you don't want to try it, you ain't got to try it. You, you know, it's your car, whatever you want to do. And he gave me that look like, you know, like Phil Jackson told me to, you know, to, to go out there. And I'm Scotty Pippen saying, nah, I ain't going out there. I ain't doing it. I ain't taking last shot. I ain't doing it. And I was like, man, I can't let my coach down. So, man, he want to tell me to redo it. Fuck it. What's it going to hurt me? I'll write another verse. And that's what he said. You know, if you don't like it, if we don't like it, we'll use the other one. So I went in there, wrote two new verses. Those are the two verses that are on Sitting Sideways. When you hear Sitting Sideways, those mm-hmm. are the two new verses I wrote. Well, the first verse I originally wrote, I said, man, okay, we're not going to use this verse. But I know I said some shit. So I'm going to keep this. I'm going to keep it just in my back pocket, just in case we're on the road somewhere and say, like, you know, I don't know, Jay-Z say, hey, I want to get you on a song. All right, I got something. Ready. I'm ready right yeah. now. <laughs> or, or, or say, I, you know, we got we to gotta record something and I only got, like, 20 minutes. I, I don't got enough time to, to write my verse. All right, well, I got something that's hard or, you know, just whatever. I just got a verse I can always count on in my back pocket. I can always pull out. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, my boy Plain Pat. Plain Pat, he tried to sign me to Def Jam. They didn't want to sign me. They ended up not wanting to sign me, but we still kept in touch. He ended up signing Kid Cudi, managing Kid Cudi. He was Kanye A&R. I had just met, I had already met Kanye West and made his grills. So he said, hey man, I seen you met Kanye, you made his grills. Well, I'm his A&R. He say he fuck with your bars, he fuck with your music, but he's very particular. You know, he was taking people off Donda back in the day. You know how when Donna oh, came yeah, out there, yeah, I mean, yeah, he took yeah, my verse yeah. out to me. He was doing that back in the day. So, mm. but you know, I came from the Switcher house where you go in there, lay a verse, and like I say, it would get taken off or deleted anyway. Right, you know, right, sometimes right. by chance. So it was all one of them things where I, I wouldn't, you wouldn't take it personally. You'd be disappointed if your verse came up missing. But you know, it's just how it goes sometimes. So I already know, man, you come with it, shit, you're gonna get your left on there. Right, if, you right. know, shit, they're gonna find a way, hey, hey, we lost the verse, but come back and lay it again. You know what I'm saying? If you come with it, shit, they're gonna they gonna keep it. So he told me, hey man, look, he might not use it, he might use some of it, you know, whatever, but it's just an opportunity. It could be a real big look if he if he use it. You ain't gotta tell me. I already Jay-Z, I'm you know, already blew up Kanye from using his production. When Kanye started rapping, it took him to another level. Right. Where I personally was a fan, is you know, you look at Kanye, you know, they always talk about his beats, and at the time they didn't want to sign him because they didn't like his his, his bars and his lyrics. I was the reverse. I love Kanye bars, but his beats I didn't love. I loved his bars, his verses, but not necessarily his beats. I love them now, you know, but at the time that wasn't your style. I was more, yeah, I was more fond of his lyrics than I was of his beats. So when he sent the, sent the song. To get on, shit, I pulled, I got that, I got just the earth right here in my back pocket, just for this. I, I sent it to him and he said, yeah, he said, yeah, Plain Pat said, yeah, man, Kanye feeling it, but he wants you to come out here and lay it in LA. So I'm saying, okay, they ain't gonna use my verse. This is like just step one of they not gonna use my verse. You know what I'm saying? And Mike Jones had went in the studio with Kanye. Mike Jones wanted one of them soul samples. Kanye gave him a beat. It wasn't a soul sample. Mike Jones didn't end up using the, the song. So when I first met Kanye, he was a little salty with me because Mike Jones ain't used his beat. What? So <laughs> even to this day, I've always wondered, like, man, I wanted his drive slow to beat Mike Jones turned down. I wasn't in that studio, so I don't know. But I always wondered, I man, was that his way of, well, Mike ain't want it. Let me see if you going to use it. You know what I'm saying? Right, this right. Is, you know, one of them kind of things. I always kind of wanted that. But anyway, he said, all right, come out to LA and lay your verse. He want to be in the studio when you lay it. Man, bet. I went out to L.A., me and my man Goo. We, we land on the plane. We come down the baggage claim. As soon as we come down the baggage claim, we got two L.A. sheriff detectives 
with their badges. Hey, you come here, you come here. We like, what the fuck going on? So I see, you know, some camera footage, you know, equipment like on the side. It's LA. Of course, right, people right. Got, everybody got a camera. Yeah. Okay. Mike Jones had just got punked on MTV Punked. And when you get punked, you usually punk somebody else. So I was like, oh, I this is a setup. Mike Jones and Kanye West and got together to get me punked on, on MTV. <laughs> I ain't going out like no hoe. If I get punked on MTV, I'm not going to be able to come back to my neighborhood. So shit, right, I'm, right. I'm, man, I'm going to go, man, you got me messed up. I started talking crazy to the cop because I thought we were getting punked. Now look, I know... Oh, not shit. to talk crazy to police, especially the L.A. Sheriff's Department. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shit, but I thought I'm getting punked. Man, thank God that they, they let us make it because eventually the cops, he started getting upset with me because I was talking reckless to him. I was but like, what, what did they stop y'all for? Just random search. I don't know. Oh, maybe okay, we okay. looked like something. We had jewelry, grills, tattoos. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it was random. Maybe somebody said something. Who knows? I just knew I was getting punked. So I was calling them all kind of names, talking reckless to them. And Goo looking at me like, man, what is you doing? They about to whoop my ass. <laughs> shit, hey, I know HPD will whoop your ass, but LA Sheriff's Department? Yeah, they might leave your shit, ass. Shit, yes. I remember Kanye got pumped. What episode was that? That ain't nobody. MCV ain't no that, MCV. That's why I thought I was next. That's what I'm saying. No, his went out, so you felt that That's way. what I'm saying. I thought I was next. Okay, I'm, I'm yeah. next in line to get pumped. Eventually, the other cop seen the other cop getting mad and was like, come on, they don't got nothing, let's let's go. So they left us alone, and I'm like, where Ashton Kutcher at? And Goo like, what you mean where Ashton Kutcher at? Bro, we about to get our ass whooped. <laughs> so then we go, we in the car, I'm in the car going to the studio. The, it's before GPS, iPhones, all of that. So he like, you know, you print it. This is one of the things you print the directions out to make it, you know what I'm saying? I'm in a car service. He don't know where it's at. We in the left turning lane. The studio right there on the right, but we in the left turning lane. We had a red light. He say, oh, there go right there. He break off everybody at the light. He like turn right at the mm. red light in the left lane. Just so happened it was a cop right there in the right lane. Woo-woo. God damn. We get pulled off, said, God damn. Well, they couldn't get me the first time. Now they trying to, <laughs> they definitely going to punk me now. So I just I just knew I was not going to make it to Kanye album. So he getting the ticket. I'm like, hey, can I, I'm going right there. Can I go? He said, shit, I don't need you. He the one getting the ticket. So I'm like, <laughs> Peace, I'm out. Shit, I go up in there. I'm like, okay, where ask the kitchen at now? You know, again, <laughs> shit, you know, the I'm like, man, what's going on? Matter of fact, I went up there, I, I, I laid my verse. Nas was downstairs laying his verse for the song that he was on on the album. We major. And it was shit. Yeah. And then, then when it all happened, then we shot the video with Hype Williams. The whole thing to me was all like, man, I was expecting at any time to get that consolation call of, you didn't make it, the label cut it for this reason or whatever reason, you know what I'm saying? I just was no part, it was a 0% chance in my mind that I was going to make the album. I'll do whatever I got to do to to, to shit. I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to do it because if I don't make it, it ain't going to be on me. You know what I'm saying? Shit, well, I'll do whatever I got to do. And I'll never forget when DJ Drama called me out of nowhere and he was like, hey, you want Kanye album? And I was like, I don't know. It ain't come out yet. Shit. Shit. And he said, yeah, I'm at the listening party right now and I just heard your verse on this song. Shit. You on there? And I'm like, okay, well, it must be official, but let me not say nothing because shit, I know (laughs) how Yeah. So at that time, they wasn't, they wouldn't call you and let you know like, yo, you made You You do the the clearance and all that, but you know how they'll, they'll have you sign the clearance and still won't use it. You know? I'm saying mm. like, and then some artists, some producers, they'll do that just to set you up to shit on you, you know. Mm. So I don't know. I, I didn't know Kanye like that to know is, is that what he's doing or, or what. I just, you know, I liked his beats. I thought he was dope. 
hell yeah, I want to do a song with you. What you, what you mean? Mm. Shit. Uh, but I, you just never know. And you know, sometimes it'd be the label. Sometimes it'd be you got a harder verse than them, so they take you off because they don't want you to shine on them, you know. Or mm. it'd be all it'd be all kind of reasons why people get took off. Versus, looking right at you, you know the vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking right. At you. Susie said that. Yeah. Labels, labels fuck up a lot of friendships though. Yeah. Hurricane mm-hmm. Chris said that. Remember, he said everybody was on this shit. Yeah. And on the and remix, the and he cut. was mad that you know what I mean. Certain yeah. artists wasn't on that. That got took. He over, had no control. And over he it. had no control. That fucked up a lot of. You know, relationships. That happened with ladies. me with, with DJ Khaled. Shit, man, Joey IE brought me to DJ Khaled to do the song. I shouted out Joey IE in the verse. But then Asylum, it wasn't necessarily Joey IE, it was the label, wouldn't clear the verse. Mm. It wasn't clear for Khaled. Khaled said, shit, he, he told me later, man, shit, my plan was the first people got on my first single, they was going to be on every one of my singles. Every, every first single of the album is going to be Damn. the same people. So... I'm so hood, I would have been on all of them Cali hits. I'd have been on shit, That's but they didn't want to clear the verse. They eventually Damn. did clear the verse, but it was label politics. It was, I'm going to clear it, but you got to clear this for me. You know, one of them kind of things. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't, uh, I wasn't associated with none of it. I did the verse. Not even in the discussion. And I'm not in discussion of the clearance at all. You know, it didn't happen before where I did a song with Ashanti and they charged her $100,000. I ain't get on I didn't get a dollar. Shit, but the label got a hundred shit. Goddamn. Goddamn. I can't get none of that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> shit. That's the kind of shit that somebody should be fired. Yeah. Like, like dead ass. Somebody, once once it comes down the pipe and like, yo, I could have been on all of these if it wasn't for your yeah. Like somebody yeah. should be fired behind some shit. But you know, that's why I say it was like, well, you know, I just appreciated Joey I.E. took me to get on the song for me to even be on the first one. The, the, what could have been, you know, shit. I just, I, I just appreciated the, the opportunity I did have. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Shit. When the labels do that, a lot of the time the artists get blamed. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, because they was calling me. Why you want to clear this? What you mean? I'll sign it right now, send the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Shit, this nigga just the label. Mm-hmm. How many how many times you had your verse pulled off of a track? You know what I really feel like? Here we go. You know what I really feel like with, with me? <laughs> it, it happened a few times. Um I just feel like I feel like when you go like super hard on the track, like like you embarrass people like bad. Mm-hmm. That shit right there really like fucks people up. Like, like, especially if you got that big ego, like you think you're that dude, and then you and then you know, you they put somebody else on the track and he just washes you like really bad. Mm-hmm. It was like it got to a point where static was like, yo, bro, you gotta be a little more friendly with these guys, bro. <laughs> who who has that happened with with you? I'm not really, you know. Oh, come on, man! You ain't signed no NDA for that. Nah, it's just like I'll just, I'll just say it like this. It got to a point where he like, yo, like people not really gonna want to be your friend because they like feel like you dissing them because you're bodying them so bad. So you gotta like, I'm not telling you to tone it down, like kill it, but don't be like tone it down. Don't be like. That's like telling J Cole to tone it down. Exactly. J. Cole don't tone down nothing. It don't matter who it is. He goes crazy. If I was J. Cole, I wouldn't have to do that shit. I'm still trying to sneak on records. Mm. Other rappers is bigger than me and they're like, oh, we like terminology. Let's give him a shot. And then I get on there and I'm like, anybody get anybody that fucking rap like Twister? And they're like, oh, no, this don't match. You know what happened. You know why it don't match. You know? Because I'm slaughtering. Because you phoned it in and I came in ready to play. So it was like, all right. 
And sometimes so, it'd be like they homeboy. Like, say, say you body me on a record, yeah. and then my boy, like, boy, he ate your ass yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was shit like that. Yeah. They amp him up. And then, so it's like, you know, I think the more, I, I go to the positive aspect of it, right? When I, when I, when I get the best of a rapper on, on a song, I see him and be like, yo, you body, why you body me like that? Sean Price. There's a video of him on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yo, turn. Why you always body us? Why you body every rapper every time you do a track? Yo, who you think you are? <laughs> shit like that. That mm-hmm. shit make me feel good. That's like a Grammy to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Sheik Luch. Oh, I'm doing a song with Term. Now I got to go to the basement. I got to go to my basement when I write my verse. Mm-hmm. You know, Nori. Oh, I'm doing a song with Term. Now that shit going to take me like two weeks to write my verse. <laughs> you know, so getting these compliments from 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 these top G rap. When I went to the Poconos uh, last year to do the video with him, I said, yo, you know, I said it, it was very intimidating to do song with you because... You created the style that I use. I, I perfected the style that you created, but technically you're my grandfather because Pun is my father, and, mm. and and you created the style that Pun used, and then I mm. took from both of y'all and and made mm. it modern in my yeah. way. You know what I'm saying with the mm-hmm. with the multi-syllable shit and the tongue twisters and all that. So like he was just like, nah, yo, he like you did your thing. Nobody, body, nobody. We both, we both, you know, we both was equal. And like when G Rap said that to me, I was like, ah, man, like. That shit felt good, even though I still feel like he got me, cause <laughs> you know, cause he's fucking G rap. Like yeah, you can't yeah, don't yeah, be yeah. mad at you can't be mad if G rap gets you on a song. Mm-hmm. If you even come close, you you'll go to. That's a victory. That's a yeah, win. you'll that's you'll a go to. And so you know, just having these moments, where like like I said, I'm fo- focusing on the positive. I, I just stick with people that are genuine with me because the records that I did do with people and I got taken off, I just realized that th- those people weren't for me. They were my industry friends. They weren't real friends, or, or you know, they were just low key haters or shit like that. So maybe they just soft, bro. Or soft. Might just be soft. Or just embarrassed because they got smoked. You know, they're not there. (laughs) Right. If you're a good rapper, you could joke with it to the other rapper. Like, yo, you body me on that shit. If you're a good rap, like if you're a great rapper, yeah, I see Paul and be like, man, you you got me on that one. Mm -hmm. You know, and he'll say it back, and it's like because we know we both coming with it. I remember listening to a freestyle with you on the radio. Red Man went first. Then they wanted you to go next. And you was like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I respect that, like, though. Man, like, I respect I, that. I had to say something. I'm like, golly, boy, it's about to be LeBron playing a middle school kid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not Reggie Norman. Yeah, man, he yeah. went off, too. He, he got like yeah. four bars in it. Yes. And he just started laughing. He's yes. like, man, I'm not, I'm yeah. not. And he was off the head, off the dome. He wasn't like yeah, saying I mean. something written. He was like off the dome. Like, it was real shit. Like, yeah, Red Man will make fun of you, too, man. I did a yeah, boiler like, room cypher with him. Rest in peace, Prodigy. It was me, Prodigy, Redman, uh, Sean Price, rest in peace, uh, Rick Gonzalez, the actor, and it was like a couple other people. And I remember I forgot my verse, and in front of everybody, Redman was like, ah, terminology, you forgot my verse. <laughs> ah! Like, yo, mad, but just, that's my man. So, you know, he felt yeah. comfortable with it. And I was like, oh, man, how I forget my verse in front of this guy? Because, right. like, it's fucking Redman, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. we laughed about it later, but yeah, he roasted me, man. So you you definitely that's don't want to get an insightful with Redman and not come with it. Because he's going to roast you that's one way or another that's on the he mic, do. or he's yeah. going to snap on you after. Like, either way. <laughs> Red, you is it, he was pulling up. Let's yo, go, is it, bro. Yeah, please. Is it, is, it, is it highly competitive in Houston? Like how it is in New York with rappers? It depends on wh- what perspective you're looking at it from. If you're looking at it from a perspective of rappers that aren't from Houston, nah, everybody in Houston gets along. We got unity. We all support each other. 
And they all tell, I go to New York, they tell me this, go to Florida, they tell me this, go to Atlanta, they tell me this, go to LA, go to Detroit, everywhere, they always tell me this. We need to stick together like y'all do in Houston. We need to stick together. Mm. We, we don't get along, we all beef out here, but with y'all support each other, y'all stick together. You go back to Houston, every rapper in Houston tell me, Man, we need to stick together like they do in Florida, like they do in Atlanta, <laughs> like they do in New York, like they do in this. Grass is greener. Yes, yeah, always. But you know, I think a lot of it is publicly, you know, like even in my era coming up, you know, we had a lot of problems, a lot of issues, a lot of beefs. We just kept it internal. You know what I'm saying? We mm -hmm. didn't put it. We didn't put it on wax. A lot of you know, some of it we put subliminally, or we might put it in interviews, but we didn't put the the bars live forever. Especially if it's on a hit, the bars live forever. You know, you wasn't shooting with me in the gym. You know, that shit lived forever. Like, yeah, even right. after they get back together, right, now right. Rick Ross will never be welcome at Kobe's house because we're talking about this man white. Shit, rest in peace, Kobe. Yeah. But that's like how, how it is in Houston. So there are, definitely is competition. Some of it's friendly. Some of it's salty. Some of it is you just don't want the other person to win because they've been shining forever. And you just feel like that's your spot. They took your spot. You know, that's how some people feel in Houston about mm. other artists. There's definitely a, 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 a large chunk of camaraderie where we, you know, it's like the starting five kind of group, mm -hmm. you know, where we all support each other. And, you know, the, the main like five or six artists in Houston, like, you know, we all support each other and we support everybody. Right. Now, there are some people who are ostracized from that that don't want support. Just so they can tell everybody they don't get supported. Oh, I don't know why in Houston support me. I ain't got no love in Houston. It's all haters. They don't want me to shine. But that ain't necessarily the truth. A lot of a lot of them people, they'll paint themselves in a corner. And we'll still support them, but they don't want our support. We'll show up to their events and they'll be like, damn, why you show up? I tell everybody you don't want to show up because y'all don't like me and y'all show up. Like it's like, man. It's uh, but you know, and then there's a, you know, there's people that feel like entitled. A lot of people. I find this worldwide. People, and it's not exclusive to hip hop. People got talent or they dope and they feel like they don't got to work for it. They oh feel like it's, it's, it comes to them, it's owed to them just because I'm so dope that it's, the world owed this to me because I'm so dope. Right. It's, we got that in Houston too, you know? Mm. And we got people that don't put in their work. Now, for sure, I feel like now, now I, I'll say, you know, humbly, I'll say, I'm not scared of nobody on the microphone. I feel like I can hold, hold my own with anybody, but I feel like my work ethic is what got me to where I'm at, not necessarily mm. my talent. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's people in Houston too that got a hell of a lot of, you know, work ethic too. You know, they will put in their work. Some have more talent than others. Some have more connections or more money than others. Some just have that look. Some just have that talent, you know. Some just get that shot that just takes them there, you know, but... I've been blessed, you know, grow up in Houston under Jay Prince and Tony Draper, where they showed us how to do it independent. You don't need anybody. You can do it all from here. If you put in that work, you treat people right. You take care of business. You treat it professionally. It's, 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 it's that second, third, and fourth thing you mentioned. It's not your work ethic, bro. It's your attitude. It's your attitude. It's the ability, it's, it's the ability to be humble when it's time to be humble. It's, the, it's putting flyers on cars, even though you know you're more talented than that. It's taking the Chinatown bus, even though you know you're more talented than that. It's the attitude. It's, it's, it's not feeling entitled to something because you're talented. Ego. Entitlement, yeah, ego don't run nothing but a muck. Yeah. You can't run a company from your ego. You can't run a successful brand from your ego. You're going to cut off your nose to spite your face. I get sick of it, but I'm listening to y'all's stories. That's why it was so important to get 
to the beginning. Look what you started out doing. Look how it started. Right. Imagine the ego of a kid who looks you in the face and says, I ain't doing that shit. Right. You wildin'. For who? I'm better than him. What the fuck I look like doing that for? You know how many times I run into it? Yo, it pains me. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, entitlement is like top three all-time career killer. Mm. For, for people with real talent, that entitlement kicks in. Nobody wants to do... You try to mentor somebody with entitlement. Yeah. And don't let them get one little credit. You know, one, anything. Don't, don't let, let them get one little thing, cause then it's like, I told you, yeah, I'm right. I ain't got to do that shit. Ah, uh, but I'm, can you do it again? You know, can you do it again? And barely that, did it the first time. And that, it, yo, we we was ride, we was riding over here in the car, and I'm scrolling, and I and I see the uh, his his record with that Mexican OT just went gold. Shout out to Mexican yeah, that, OT. That song is but this fire, is this yeah. is like three hours ago. I'm like, oh shit, your shit just went gold. You know what I'm saying, like. Can you do it again? Mm-hmm. Twenty years later, like mm. that's that's the type of OGs I want to be around. That's the type of good attitude people I want to be around. He's embracing a new artist, and you know, in turn, embracing a new artist humbly, just getting on the track. He gets a hit. Twenty years in, mm. because of the attitude. You know, I'm I do a fucking free verse for anybody right now, as long as they come with the right attitude, and I I believe in them. Mm-hmm. It ain't always about a bag, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what's right. We doing what we love to do. What's up? Many people saying that. And big congrats on that, on another gold record. Yeah. Both that sneaker. Both that sneaker. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. That's, Good that game. You caught you caught me just <clears throat> mentoring people, OGing people. Key to the game, right? right? None of us would be where we are if somebody hadn't decided, "Yo, come here, let me let me oh, yeah. put you on or something." Like. Or yelling, yelling. Sure. I know mine definitely. I could speak to. I speak to. Shout out to OG J Mill for putting me on the guy who gave me my start at the source. But you're taking that beyond. Word. Like you're actually honoring real life fathers. Yeah, man. who are out here doing the one two. Please mm-hmm. talk to us about. Yeah, that. so before Did I get, just get one of those. We got, yeah, I paid too. I, yeah, I brought. I, I brought. Yeah, tra- D- shout out to Trace. DJ Trace. DJ Trace he came and brought bro. a couple pairs uh, mm-hmm. to y'all on Father's Day mm-hmm. a little after. I'm not so, a dad, by the way, but they're dope. I hey, like but them. you know what? It's <laughs> funny. Real talk. So, okay. So I'll, I'll start from the beginning. Uh, Good Dad Gang is a movement that I started, right? Nine years ago, uh, I started the movement Good Dad Gang. It started as a hashtag on Instagram. And I would be hanging out with my kids and every cool thing we would do, we'd go to the park, we'd go wherever we're going, you know, during the weekend, whatever, go to parties, go outside, play with the kids, you know, type stuff. I would always hashtag good dad gang. And then it turned into like where people started catching on locally, like in my mm-hmm. neighborhood and around mm-hmm. my followers and stuff like that. And people were like, yo, you should make a shirt. So I said, all right, cool. I made a shirt and I, I just made one shirt in the flea market, you know, put it up. Yo, who would buy this? And right away, all these comments like, yo, I'll buy a shirt, I'll buy a shirt. So I was like, damn, I need 40 shirts ASAP, you know, these orders <laughs> coming in. So I went, you know, I, I fulfilled them orders and I'm like, damn. I was kind of low on paper, but I had a good I had a good feeling about it. I'm like, yo, let me invest a couple bands and make a couple hundred shirts, throw them in my trunk and just see what I could do with them. Bam. So I ran through those 200 shirts mad fast. And then mm. I was like, all right, this shit is starting to blow up because DJ Premier wore it uh, mm. and on his Instagram. And then it started going crazy on his gram. Uh, Charlamagne the God wore it on um, Breakfast Club. Um, 
uh, Everlast wore it, House of Pain. So mm. these are people with big followings, you know what I'm saying? And so the orders would like start going crazy when I made the website, gooddadgang.com. So then I had to trademark it. Then I had to, you know, incorporate it. I had to copyright business. it. I had to do all the right things to protect it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, from then to now, man, like it, it's so amazing what we've been able to do. We got a sneaker with Patrick Ewing. Shout out to DJ Trace. He's the one that designed it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the first one sold out. This is the second one right now. And so it's it's cool, man. We've been able to do some great things. We had a billboard uh, with DJ Premier. We did Good Dad Gangstar. We did a collaboration. Mm. Uh, yeah, we did a collaboration with DJ Premier, and uh, we was able to do a Father's Day billboard for fathers. We had all fathers come out with their kids mm-hmm. in Times Square. Yep, I remember that. Remember that? Yep. Okay, so we did that. We did a Diamond uh, collabo with Diamond Supply. Mm-hmm. You know, with them being a big streetwear brand, one of the biggest for them to embrace us and put a Good Dad Gang logo you know, on their stuff and oh, sell that amount of volume of our merch, taking it. Like I said, I had one t-shirt I made in the in the flea market and then I had a trunk full of tees and it turned into sneakers with Ewing and collaborations with DJ Premier and billboards in Times Square and uh and stuff like that, man. So we do a lot of community work every year. We give back fifteen hundred backpacks we did this year nice. to my to my nice. city, Lawrence Mass. Uh, if you know anything about Lawrence or Mass, Lawrence is the poorest city in Massachusetts. One of the mm. poorest cities in the whole America, and that's where I'm from. That's mm. where I grew up, mm. and um, you know, so it, it felt good to go back to my hood, and um, you know, just we gave free food, entertainment, we gave away uh, uh, with uh, what you call them things, the, the boards that they uh, hoverboards, yeah. hoverboards, you know, all kind of Oculus, you know, what I'm saying we gave mm-hmm. away all kind of stuff to the kids, man. It just feels good to give back to the community and just and do something real. You know, and uh, we don't do it for no bread. We don't do it for no monetary gain. We just do it to give back to the hood. And ultimately, man, to just inspire fathers to be in their kids' life. I remember in my building, it was 13 people in, in my building, and none of us had our father. You mm. know what I'm saying? Not even one mm. father. None of us. I had a father, but he didn't live with us. Mm. Right? And so I grew up across the street from the Bradford Street Projects. And in that project, it was probably only five people that had their father. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we all grew up either without a father or with a bad relationship with our father, mm-hmm. right? Or little to yeah. no relationship with our father. So, um, you know, it, it, it's crazy, man, that I see how great it is in this era when I go pick up my kid from school, mad fathers everywhere. Mm. Talking about half the people there are fathers. And that's such a change from the 80s. Now, I understand in the crack era, most of our fathers got locked up. I understand I grew up in the 80s and 90s when the father was purposely taken out of the home. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of other things that go with that. You know, it's a conversation for another day. But right. I will say that most of us grew up without our father or, you know, a bad relationship with our father. And I feel like in this era, um, most of most of the kids that I see are growing up at least knowing their father or having them in their life. And a lot of fathers are the one who's doing all the work. And they're letting the mom go to work. And they didn't want picking up the kid every day from school and taking them here and there, karate classes, this doctor, doctor. Yep. You know, as a kid, your dad didn't do none of that shit. Moms yep. was the one doing everything. So, um, you know, props to all the fathers out there that's 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 good dads and that's holding it down. You don't get no extra credit for being a good dad. That's what you're supposed to do. For that. But at the same time, props to you for going through what you go through. And, um, you know, I feel bad for the fathers out there that really want to see their kids and can't see their kids. 
because there's a lot of people out there right now that want to see their kids and they can't see their kids. Now that's so, a con- that's a whole different. That's conversation. a whole another conversation, yeah. you know. But if you want to know more about the brand, it's gooddadgang.com. You can get these sneakers there. You can get this hat there. I like those. Those are very comfortable Thank you, too. Man. I appreciate it. Once again, shout out to Ewing for for giving us our own sneaker. You know, that's what I mean? fire. Shout that's out to you. Tell up. us about this, please. Yeah. I'll let, I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let Paul tell you about it. That's the second album. The first one right, was right. start to finish. So right. he named both of the projects. So I'll let, I'll let him tell so you. So repeat is like yeah, start to finish times. Yeah, yeah part two. two. Yeah, start to finish. Two. All right, we're gonna start finish repeat. And uh, you know, and then actually, matter of fact, we uh we just dropped a, uh, the the deluxe also. We got a deluxe version of that too that's out mm. now. So make sure y'all yep. check out Five the deluxe Five extra songs too. Vinyl too. coming for that too. Where, where they gonna get that at? Yeah. Let them know where Anywhere they online, sure, sure, you can check sure. us out online. We got the links. Well, the hard copies. All of that. The hard yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We sell it. We got the hard yep. copies. Vinyl sold out, but we're gonna make some. We're gonna make some a repress for the for the new one. Yeah, this is crazy. Make sure you zoom in on this. Yeah. A Z, C L Smooth, Bun B, Tony Sunshine, produced by Marsh Professor, Big Crit, the Keith Rashad, Petey Crack, Sheik Luge, Mia J, Bun B, DeAndre, Nico. Nims. Nims. Oh, salute Fuck to your Nims. life. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah, a lot of lot of good business. Yeah. So how did this come about, this part two? Man, well, it all started with me. My introduction was when Bum B was working with Stag Selector, and they were doing their Trill Static, mm-hmm. and I did a verse on the deluxe version that he mm-hmm. was doing. Now, I always wanted to work with Stag Selector. We were boys. I just had never really worked with him before. Um, actually, I came out here to to guest uh, to, to come out for a Hot Night Seven Summer Jam uh, with Megan Wright, and we got in the studio. That's really what kicked it kicked it all off. And I had always wanted to sample something that Sean Price said, where he say, uh, 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 "I'm all ball, uh, I'm all bra, smoking on Paul Mall. My fist confront your fronts." Like Paul Wall. That's classic right there. That's Sean P all day, man. First of all, just the fact that he said mine, he could have dissed me and I'd have been like, man, let me say that. But shit, just for him saying that was okay. I said static, man. We got sampled in some type of way, you know, something. He was like, all right, bet. Shit. So we did one, me and Static did a song. And then it, from there, kind of went on to you know a couple more songs, and of course, terms in the studio too. Terms somebody who I always looked up to because he can, you know, the way he does his thing. I'm, I come from the underground, so anybody right. that's from the underground, that's where I'm from. We from right. the same place, so all my favorite rappers are underground. You know, uh, the mainstream is something that's like, you know. Uh, 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 it's uh, uh, Superman, it's Kryptonite to us, you know. So even me <laughs> going to the mainstream was something that was like, you know, against who I am inside of me, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, we'll go do it for the bag, but I can't cross certain lines. There's certain things that I, I just can't do it, you know. It, it's I don't know. I, I, a lot of it for me is. If I'm coming back to my hood, I can't do certain things. If I'm gonna show my face back in my neighborhood, certain things I can't do, right. and that's I still live in my neighborhood. So it's like right. shit. Okay, well, this is what we, I'm not. I'm not gonna do certain things. So, you know, uh, just you know, the underground is something that's always been with my heart. But working with with Static in there, working with Term in there, was something you know where we just doing a couple songs. Then me and Static did a, a whole project called Give Thanks. They came out, but it was real under the radar. You know, it's for the love of it. It's just for us to shit, just do some dope music. Just put it. You know, you never know how people are gonna feel about it. They might not like it. They, you know, I always thought that you know, southern rappers on boom bap beats sounded dope. 
So I yeah. always, you know, I, you yes. know, agree. So it was something I always wanted to do. But when I'm on a major label, they have a, a marketing strategy. They have, even though I've been out for years, they have a way that they want to present me to the world. So it's certain things, even if I want to rap on uh, DJ Premier Beat, there ain't no way in hell they going for that because they trying to present me as a Southern, you know, this and that. Even though I am Southern, but who wouldn't want to rap on a DJ Premier Beat? That's you know fact. what I'm saying? They're looking at it from a business too, aspect, yeah. though. But it's, yeah. you know, it's, Premier Southern, too. What the fuck wrong with y'all? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. Texas. The, the, the never-ending yes. fight of yes. the artist versus the late. Yes. Yes. both from Texas. What the fuck is you? Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, fired. Man. Yes. You know what I mean? Fired. <laughs> it's one of the things that I always wanted to do. It. I just never really had the opportunity to do it. Or maybe I did have the opportunity, but I didn't push hard enough because I'm just going with the flow or whatever we got to do. So, you know, getting there, working with Static, doing it. And then, you know, Term hit me one day. was like, hey, what you think about doing an album? Like, Shh. Let's do it. Come on. We're going to mm. do an album together. Come on. Let's do it. Mm. So that was the first one to start to finish. Well, we just really were like, really was like a, a, a I don't want to say science experiment, but it was, <laughs> it was definitely like we were experimenting with, okay, how are we going to sound together? What type of beats mm -hmm. are we going to sound good on? What features are we going to sound good on? And then after we did the album, when we put the album out, you know, we came up here you know, while we were putting it out and we were just back in the studio. So by the time we left from the promo, we were already halfway done with this. Hmm. Um, we're part mm. two. Yeah. And, and the formula that really worked for us is just us being dope. Shit, you put a, pick a dope beat, say something dope Let's on go. it. That's, That's the it. formula. There's no, no more thought to it than that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we put extra thought into it of, you know, who would sound good on this or, you know, once you put out the once we put out the first one too, there have been other artists and producers who kind of approached us through the you know through the weeds here and there. That's like, hey, when y'all do another one, let me know. I want to get on that. Or or artists that we'll put it out to a producer. We put, hey, if we do another one, would you be down to you know produce on it? Would you mm -hmm. be down to get on this? And it's all been positive. So of course we like shit. Let's keep this shit going. We doing what we love to do. Something we have you know a huge passion for. And at the end of the day, it's just dope beats and dope bars. And that's that's it. I can't wait to listen to this. Have any of y'all ever told each other, like, yo, bro, that verse ain't going to work? Not for this track. Y'all know <laughs> yeah, to Any of y'all ever told each other that? that? No, no, he never told me that, no. <laughs> no. You that ever told very, him that? That very rarely happens to me. We, I think we both maybe have told ourselves that, where I say, <laughs> well, I tell him, man, I think I'm going to redo my verse. And he's like, man, you crazy. Yeah. Or he'll right. say, hey, I think I'm going to redo that hook. And I'm like, oh, verse. And I'm like, man, you crazy. Shit, bro. Right. That's because we, we our worst critics when it come to us critiquing our shit. That's yeah, how, that's how it is. Well, hands down, right? And and yo, when I write around, right? And th this is just me. I know that maybe, maybe everybody don't think like this. Uh, but when I write around, I'm competing with myself, like my greatest version of myself. Mm. And when I'm writing at my peak, I feel like I'm just as great as anybody else. So if I don't write a rhyme that like I wouldn't feel comfortable spitting for like Eminem or Black Thought or mm. Nas, if I don't write a rhyme that's at, at that level, I wouldn't even want y'all to hear it. So y'all not gonna hear it. Mm. You know, I'm not I'm definitely not gonna do it on my album with Paul Wall. You know what right. I'm saying? It's not mm. one of those PayPal joints. This is, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Y'all got a couple of dollars real quick, you know? And even yeah. on those, I might give them a better verse than right. I don't know how to rap whack, but yeah. I know for sure when I'm rapping <laughs> like on that. You know, Static Selector, Large Professor, Diamond D, Buck Wild, yeah, Pete Rock, you know what I'm saying? I know, I'm, co I'm coming with my A game. Like, I still want motherfuckers to be hearing Shea 45 and be like, what the fuck is this? This shit, right here, this shit right here is a lesson. 
This is a lesson of how important it is, not only artistically, collaboration, shit like that, the fact that it's a physical component, but mm -hmm. also the fact that all of the information is etched out in this beautiful piece of art, like the producers, the samples, how many tracks it is, who did the album cover, who did the layout, mm -hmm. who it was mixed and mastered by, where it was mixed and mastered at, in Brooklyn, by the way, which is where yes, we sir. Um, but this is a lesson. I feel like this is a lesson. This is very important. Queens get the money. Yeah. I ain't say yeah. nothing. I ain't say I'm nothing. I'm it for you, my brother. I'm going to say it for you. Your man was like this in the camera. <laughs> but this oh, is a lesson. This is very important, this man. This is very important. And I'm I'm super elated that this still exists. Yeah. No, yeah. It still exists right here, man. We were, I have a real we, we, we were really happy to come up here because the last time we did a we did a all the big press and most of the big press, but we didn't get to come up here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were we were definitely excited to come up here and this has been a great experience. Yeah, I, we I appreciate it. I have you. one request. Yeah. This will be my last question. I have all one right. request. For part three, Paul Wall, terminology, chameleonaire. Hey man, that's I a got, comedian that question. We gotta, yeah, you know that, yeah. You gotta ask comedian that. that. I, <laughs> he making too much money to get in the studio, man. He making too much money to get in the studio. I don't believe. You know that. what? I don't know. I, I've been thinking about this, man. You know, I've been thinking I might sacrifice myself for the hip hop, you know, to the hip hop guys, just just for the sake of hip hop. You know, I might. I was thinking I might put out a diss CD, dissing comedian there. <laughs> <laughs> just a rile just him a, up. Just a, just a wild mother. Just a wild shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, you know, we, we Paul Wall said you suck, man. <laughs> nah, what I up, nigga? I, I love Kabir. That's my dog. But he definitely making uh, he definitely making enough money now where he is only getting on something if he wants to. If, right. If he don't want to, yeah. he get. Now, he might. Shit, he, me and Turner, we yeah. talked about it because we, we were talking about that before. Like, you know, somebody like one of the primo beats, like, something like that, like, okay, will we get somebody on that? Who will we get on it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or who will we think out the box with it? You know, do something, you know, crazy, unexpected. So, shit, we... But that's that's definitely a comedian that question, I'm shit. We, we waiting on him. Listen, he listen, ain't waiting listen, on me. That's I'm, not even, I'm not even... <laughs> going, I'm not... Hey. I'm not gonna ask the question. He ain't here about the show. Yeah, come on, where yet? I'm not even gonna ask the question. What I will say is there's no such thing as too much money to, to still... To, to not be on the mic. Because if Jay-Z can be a billionaire, and still give a verse out, even if it's once a year, yeah. once every couple of years. And Jay was the main one who came into the game saying he was only going to do one album and then never do another one. How many albums was that ago? Yeah, eighteen. Right. It's like he said he got to want to do it. If he yeah. if he feeling it, he you know he might do it. But I'm making a request. Not yeah, that's a, a request. that's a solid request. And I, I, saw, it, and I tell you one thing, I've been able to really bring Paul to New York. Yeah, mm -hmm. you see who produced mm -hmm. it. Diamond yeah, D, yeah, Buck yeah. Wow, Static, yeah. Pete yeah. Rock. So I think that on the third one, we definitely going to tap into a little bit more of his lane and some artists from Houston. We haven't really got a chance Which to do that. Like Chameleonaire would be so 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 you know like, since at Chameleonaire in all the comments. You know? Yeah yeah at Chameleonaire. Yeah, so, Chameleon, you know, since we gonna since we planned on doing a little you, bit bro. of a, a gumbo next time, that might yeah. that might could work out. Yeah, I'm, I'm borderline doxing right now. Like, yeah. I'm I want yeah. to see this happen. Matter of fact, his email is Chameleonaire. <laughs> <laughs> fellas, fellas, as a representative of your house, as a representative of your house, as two legendary families. Making great music for the love of the art, still being successful, still being family man. I see that ring ain't going nowhere. Still rocking out as far as twenty years, baby. Twenty, 20 shout years out to Chris Wall, my wife. Twenty years, baby. Wow. Yo, hold up. Hand, yeah. hand clap to that. Yeah. Hand clap to that. Yeah.
Yeah. It ain't all Will and Jada out here. Yeah. Some, <laughs> some couples keep it quiet and keep yeah. it going. It's not about it's not about being a secret, but it's about privacy. That's right. that's For my sure. but that's just yes, what I'm sir. seeing. Fellas, I, I ask you with another request to please keep this going. You're doing the right thing. Shit. You already know. Let's go, baby. We're going to the studio when we leave it. We're going to part three. Shit. He already That's came up with the name for yeah. part three. So, Terminology you know, and Paul Wall, y'all. Appreciate y'all, man. Salute. It's all around. Look around you, man. You can find inspiration. You can find discouragement. It all depends on you. Perception is everything. Some people just hear another song. Some people hear the greatest. A nigga used to have no chill. Nowadays I bump side A. Traffic on bumper to bumper, stuck on the highway. 